and welcome to the Gossip Stone podcast, where we cover the Ocarina of Time randomizer. We focus primarily on the racing and competitive scene, as well as various other related topics for the community as a whole. Uh, I'm Chimpan Reeve, and as always, and graciously joined by Emo Soda. Say hello, Emo. Hello. Beautiful. And we have an absolute party today. We have three guests. Absolutely Ooh. tearing it up in here. So we have Felixoid, last seen in episode 21. The very, very long episode about discussing season four, round one. Very long indeed. Hello. Welcome back. And two brand new guests. We have Dare Devin. Hey, And we have Goldfish. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Gossip Stone podcast. We're very happy to have you here and our main topic which we will jump to in a little bit is going to be about the scrubs tournament and the sort of community as a whole uh, but today we're going to be talking about first we've got the uh ocarina of time tournaments that we first participated in going back to our roots a little bit discussing where we all came from and how we've evolved since then or devolved if you're me uh we've got the community tournament updates what's going on what's going on around the community with the hundred and 50 tournaments that are going on at the moment. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, we'll be moving on to the Scrub Central and season the Scrubs Season 3 tournament, uh, which more than a few of us are involved in. Um, so, yeah, let's just, let's just jump straight into it. So, our first tournaments, then. Um, for some people, uh, Scrub Season 3 will be the first tournament that participate in. That's kind of the point of the uh, Scrubs tournament, as um, sort of in a way. Um, but a few of us have been here for a long time, me, myself included. Uh, my first Ocarina of Time randomized tournament was season one on Old Timer. I, I was uh, just coming into the scene at around season one and the end of 2018, early 2019. Um, no, I've been only that early 2018, I think. Um, I came 71st, I believe. I managed to dig out Thanks to Trez for this one. I managed to dig out the standings for season one. Oh, wow. I'm not on the website anymore. And I came 71st uh, with a grand total of 1,372 points, um, which, as you can imagine, it's essentially the same point system as it has been. So I was nowhere near doing any <laughs> doing good enough for the uh, what was the top 16 at the time. It wasn't the top 32. Um, and fun stat. Since then, I've only got worse. (laughs) That is is my best placement in a season. Of course, back then, there wasn't as nearly as many people playing, um, participating. So that that is technically my best numerical placement. But of course, there was uh, each season sort of doubled in in some aspects in terms of numbers. So if you were to, like an old currency, if you were to convert this, it'd probably be like 130th or something like that. But the numbers don't lie. And technically, if you were to go off pure numbers, I've done nothing but get worse season in season. So so there we are. But how about how about y'all? Where did y'all come from? So, um, fittingly enough, we're talking about Scrubs today. And my very first tournament was the Scrubs Season 2 tournament last year where I made it into brackets in group S, which was like the second highest group. Um, and I actually went undefeated until grand finals. And then I just lost twice. 
A little bit unfortunate, but you hate to see it. Yeah, but like mm. that, like I realized that that was not. I hadn't reached the limit yet, so I kind of tried to push it a little bit more, and I actually s- slipped into top thirty-two of season four after right after that, which was like really surprising to me. But I guess I have improved it a little in the last year. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, I don't think you can argue bit. with that, really. Oh, I, I, I just slipped into top 32, you know. Oh, I, might have, I might have improved, you know. <laughs> just I was into so surprised. What was an unbelievably competitive top 32, it must be said. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's any question about improvements there. <laughs> what about you, Goldfish? I, my first term was also uh, Scrub Season 2. Uh, I did the qualifiers. I would have qualified for Group B, but I had a conflict when the tournament started, so I did not participate in it. Uh, I did Season 4 quals. I did not even make Challenge Cup, so shows how much better I got or not. But uh, I've done some qualifiers, but I have never actually been within a tournament bracket for OOT. Mm. Did you do? Uh, are you participating in season three? Of, uh, I've done quals. Dunk walls. But that's guess, about well, all you can do. Is... Yeah, I guess, I guess you have to wait and see. You can't really know if you're participating <laughs> in, in scrubs with the, the way that it plays out. But well, I guess we'll find out pretty yep. soon. <laughs> I did quals for scrub season one. And I then I went into Challenge Cup season one as well. Which I think is the really the kind of first tournament experience I ever got. I was completely stressed out in groups, but went undefeated, and then I ended up making brackets for until top eight, and I got eliminated there by Zupal, and then tried one S three qual and forfeit because I forgot one check, and then I just <laughs> came back. Scrub season two got fourth in rankings, and season four slipped to the top thirty two with seat twenty six, I think, and went one and two pretty much immediately. Yeah, again, I mean, demolishing season three champion along the way. Just casually beating Bono by 21 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> that was yeah, amazing. One of the yeah. highlights of uh, season four, that's for sure. I remember you absolutely dominating Scrubs season two when it came to the uh, reveals of the points. And you were like, because you, you get no points if you win, right? Because then it's sort of like, that's, that's how they do it in Scrubs. And I remember being like, well, Felix got no points. And then in this race, they got no points. And then in this race, they got no points. It's like, shit, Felix, what the hell? <laughs> yep. Someone's well, they removed some the best. rando steroids yeah. into Felix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they removed the best and the worst two scores, I think. So, like, there's a, like, yep. I had seven and like three got eliminated. And I think I got fourth in the overall rankings at like 2300 something. But, yeah. God, I still remember Challenge Cup Season 1 and being absolutely stressed out at every 1v1 match. <laughs> I still am. But apparently I just can't defeat Zupal to get my to save my life. Yeah, I uh I had the same thing in Challenge Cup. I I, I can never seem to get past the French. In any in any 1v1 <laughs> scenario, I always get eliminated <laughs> by the French. It's just yep. I can't hmm. get that. It's Choco it's... in Challenge Cup. Choco beat uh... me by two minutes because I didn't know Pixel Shot. So that oh, was no. that was upsetting. Um, and then in every one of the one since, it's always been against someone from France, and I've always lost. Mm. <laughs> one day, one day I'll get my revenge. One day, for sure. That just leaves emo. That's me. Um, my first 
tournament. I think it was season two, the main tournament. Uh, I don't think I was in season. I don't think I was in season one. I I did okay, but um, it being the first experience is pretty nerve wracking. So just getting over that is is a big hurdle. I think as a starting out as a racer, but. Uh, beyond that, I feel like I've gotten better um, since then. Hard to say for sure. Uh, made brackets for a lot of different tournaments. Co-op tournament, uh, Challenge Cup. What else? Uh, RSL. I'm just. I mean, it, it's not. You don't really make RSL brackets. You just are kind of in it. But I mean, it's still. <laughs> you still have to complete some seeds, so it's still a accomplishment in itself. So. Got pretty far in the season two RSL tournaments, uh, top six that one, but didn't quite have it this season. There's always next season, so definitely looking forward to season five and uh, maybe making top thirty-two this time. That'd be cool. But other than that, I'll I'll be there pretty much every tournament that I can get my hands on, including the co-op tournament coming up season two. I did a I did research email by the way, just because I was like, oh, I wonder where you started. And because uh-huh. Trez gave me all of the standings, you you came seventy second in season two overall placements, two thousand six hundred fifty three hmm. points. Not bad, not bad at all. Beat me. Hmm. Uh, I came in ninetieth that season. You beat Yoshi Kion by three places. I think in most points in history, I've beaten you. So it's. I mean, I can't even take that as a date. That's just true. <laughs> it's just true. Yeah. I'm not smack talking. Yeah, it's it's not just even, true. Not even mm-hmm. DMing. It's just legit. Maybe a little smack talking. But yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as you can, as you can tell, it, very uh, different beginnings for a few of us. I'm, I'm clearly the, the old man of the group, it sounds like, with a few, a few babies. Coming, uh, coming in with out here with your walker, just oh, I know, along. <laughs> rocking, I rocking, my, rocking my Zimmer to the next topic so I can stop talking about how bad I am. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, that brings us on to the you know, speaking of your tournament, some we've started on to the community tournament updates. Uh, Emo, would you like to go through a couple of these for us? Sure, let's start with League. Um, I won my division, 5A. Woo! Feels pretty good. Uh, the only reason I won is because my opponents uh, saved or saved scum their Ganon's boss key, so they just deleted it from the game. Oh, this is something no, that you have no. to be really careful of doing. Mm. Um, because OGC was our adult spawn, so he just kind of warped Temple of Time, and then just, boom, uh, out he was. But, yeah, you know... I think overall the the season went pretty well for me. It was a bunch of French people and Alizune and Slyra ID in my group, so it was not an easy group. At least uh, I think we're French. We were really close for the most part. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of points. Uh, really, only losing to Alizune and Zoro once, and beyond that, yeah, just uh, beat a lot of French people. Felt pretty good. Um, I don't know. I think overall the league system was really cool. Really liked it as a as a player. Definitely looking forward to the next season of league. Um, once they get a, I think a website they're trying to build so that it can well, streamline a little bit more. That's not through like Discord and uh, Google Docs, so it can be a little bit better. And, and I don't mind waiting for that personally. But um, 
I think overall, who who won season or the uh, division one in league this time? Say you say. Know? I think it was say. I think it was say say. I think so. Yeah, say say won division one. Yeah. Okay. Any any other standouts for you, Chimp, for league in terms of finishes? Um. No, I don't think so. The, I guess the standout was, I think, what the hell is getting relegated to season to Division Two. <laughs> but outside of that, uh, no, not, not really. It was, yeah, very waft. Um, Devin, every, Felix, every Goldfish, just washed. Yeah, did did the three of you uh, take part in league at all? I did. I was in Division Six C. I finished second in my division. Nice, good job, including a tie. Ooh. A okay. tie? Yes. I was one sword. of the very rare people that had a tie. Yeah. Yes. Damn. I was very confused when I dot done on race time, the race immediately ended. I'm just like, how did my opponent FF that quickly? No, he just finished. <laughs> <laughs> it was very confusing. Damn. I think there was like three ties in, in season one, right? So I remember the first tie, it really confused people because it didn't come up as a tie in race time. But it was a tie in the league I because I, really, I, yeah. I went and checked the admin site and technically it was just over three seconds. But because it goes off whole numbers in the league, it counted as a tie. I thought, whoo, that person was like 0.6 seconds away from losing. And that's wild. That's absolutely wild. Yeah, I think me and Light were the second tie. I'm not sure who the third was. Nice. I think it was yeah, somewhere in the lower division somewhere. But... Mm-hmm. But I did not participate in the league myself. I actually participated in the league. Yeah. Uh, I was in Division 3A, and like, I didn't have a good start. I basically started with four losses, like right off the bat. I was really intimidated. I was like, dude, what? Am I just over- super overseeded? Was this a mistake? And, um, but I was actually learning a little bit more about 1v1s and stuff. So the next four matches are just straight up one, including two matches, two wins against Arthur Houdini, which was, um, I didn't really expect to win because he has such a huge execution advantage. Um, in the end, I was the only one to beat him twice, but he was the one who had the most wins. So he gets promoted and, well, might face what the hell's next season. So... Do I really stand that bad then? So, I don't know. Yeah, no, it sounds, sounds like you did well. Yeah, for, for the second half, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll ignore the first half, but, you know, yeah. second half, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, season two, as you say, Nemo, waiting on a bit of a update with the tech, but hopefully early next year, uh, we'll, we'll get that up and running. I'm looking forward to joining season two. Yeah, there's a shit ton of people this season, so uh, definitely looking forward to probably a bigger season uh, for season two. I think it's going to retain a lot of players. It's just um, more or less a good thing. Uh, I think the settings could be different just for variety sake. Uh, I think a lot of entrance rando is very new player friendly. You just have to implement it correctly and not, you know, crazily. So I... I think there's there's options there for sure. Like you could do dungeon ER, you could do whole ER, you know, Grotto's. Just uh, do all the world just, ER. <laughs> yeah, just, just all ER, mixed pools. Let's go. <laughs> no, no, no. Mixed no, pools no. decoupled. If Emo had their way, it would definitely be, it'd be at least mixed pools. 
Yeah. Maybe not Mixed Pools is great. I like Mixed Pools. Mixed Pools is uh, fun. The other tournaments happening um, that have been happening in the community, Multiworlds is in the last stage now um, for brackets. It's a Swiss tournament. Again, if uh, you didn't catch out one of our Multiworld episodes uh, previously, we covered a little bit more into it, but um, we got the four top teams here. Salt and Pepega, um with Felix, One Shot, and Rock Shock. So, <laughs> Felix, <laughs> how do you feel about your team? We're nine and no, and we don't know how. Oh my god! <laughs> it's pretty much how it's been. Like we've we've gone through a lot of teams. Just like, how did we win this match? We're like, or we're two finishers in, and just like, okay, One Shot, you need like fifty minutes to finish, and then like the two other members of the other team finished. We're like, we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose, and then we just never did. <laughs> And it's just been my way every time. Mm-hmm. Did you go? Did you go six nil? Yeah, we went six nil in Swiss, and Damn. we went two zero against Snackback, and we're one win up against Richard now. Damn, absolutely Dang. destroying. Mm. Yeah, Richard the dog, the uh, season one tournament winners. Um, yep, I, my team uh, went four and two, so we just didn't make top eight off of our really bad breakers. Um, didn't really have a great shot at it. Uh, with our loss to mom jeans, that was just that just destroyed every uh, every part of my being. <laughs> really, it's the, see, the the round one loss is just like, yep, not making top eight, and in most Swiss scenarios. So like, I just had that in the back of my mind the whole time. But I'm glad at how much faster it was compared oh, to season one. Yeah, unbelievable um, how fast it's been. Like, there, there's been a lot of changes though with like yeah. race modding since season one multi world. So I'm not surprised. Uh, but it is nice uh, as a player. Um, yeah. Not to mention, also, we got Team Dad, Drew, Alex, and Decker um, in the top four, as well as the organizer team, Raid Shadow Legend with Alazun, Goomba, and Hamsda. Raid Shadow uh, Temple. Uh, yeah, to, to be clear, Raid Shadow we're, Temple. We're not we sponsored. I thought I read it correctly. I was staring right at the, the script here, and I still got it wrong. But I whatever. know that all too well. Emo being a sellout with it behind my back. Uh, no, no, mm-hmm. I'm not taking funny guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, single elimination, best of three for the bracket. So, uh, best of luck to you, Felix, and your team. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if you need luck at this point. It seems like uh, you're in prime <laughs> position to win. So, yeah, we've got our fair share of luck on our side of teams. <laughs> oh, what 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 do you all think about the uh, the drafting of settings for multi worlds uh, for this go around? Mm. I love it a lot more against teams. I'm not sure we can like w- win nine times out of ten against them. Like when we're drafting in uh, in brackets, it's a lot more complicated to know what to draft than when you're facing a seed that, when you're facing a, a team that like you know you can win against or you know you can win against or like. That's like highly overclassing you in skill. Mm-hmm. So it, it's made those balanced matchups really more interesting in drafting, even though like we end up with fairly vanilla settings every time because no team wants to turn on like a dungeon BK for no reason just to make the seed longer. Oh, we did that. We our did last that. our last match we did that. We did max bad settings and uh it worked out for us, but we didn't have any fun the whole time. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was good for for my team in particular. I, we quite like draft settings, but 
I'd say I only liked draft settings because I went into it knowing that I wasn't going to win, so we just had a good time. But mm-hmm. had I, had I have been like you know in a team that I knew was going to be a little bit more competitive, I probably wouldn't have liked draft personally. Um, I think it's, I think losing to a draft setting like that you specifically didn't pick just is like well, the, I don't know, that's a bit bit shit. Um, but otherwise, you know, we turned on eight eight dungeons every single time. <laughs> because it was like right we we lost our first match we got comprehensively spanked by <laughs> j-bones team um, oh that was yeah oh yeah that was you did <laughs> that yeah. was that uh, was we got we got Falcon annihilated yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got annihilated because my my pal badoof forgot dumpy digging so we never stood a chance um but then at that point we were like okay well we're gonna be facing teams that are around the same level of us but because money uh the the my teammates were basically OG players from season one that haven't really played in a while. I was like, well, that's all right. We've got some execution history. We can be fine. Let's just extend it to eight dungeons every time. You know, let's use <laughs> let's use our, our one strength, which might be a little bit of execution. And it paid out for us. We went three and three in the end. So we were quite happy with that. Um, nice. But like I said, if, if it was more competitive or my team was more competitive, I wouldn't have liked draft. Um, but it is what it is. I enjoyed it for what it was, and I would, if I'm in the same team next time, I'll enjoy draft again. I definitely think draft is a cool idea. It's just for a lot of those multi-world matches, it turned out kind of bland because if you have teams that are unbalanced, it was always like the execution team chooses eight dungeon BK, uh, TSMC, the other team that's. Disadvantage will choose like closed deck, you shuffle Gruda card, things like that to try and yeah. trip the other team up. That the idea is interesting. I want to see where it goes. Yeah, I but, think um, I think I definitely agree with that. And I think, as as Felix mentioned, a lot of the top level matches were just vanilla, right? Because they don't mm-hmm. really want to pick out their settings. The top teams just want to compete on the settings they know. So. What we was well, what I was ending up seeing was like the top teams just going with this, what was essentially season four settings because <laughs> they were just wanting to compete and use execution and, and stuff like that. But they're against a similar team, so obviously they didn't that wasn't interested in them to turn on eight dungeons. So it was just like vanilla with shops, and that was kind of it, or something <laughs> like that. And then the, the the sort of lower you went in terms of skill level, the more random the settings were, which was more enjoyable to watch. But of course, uh. Slightly less competitive, and probably slightly less enjoyable to play. <laughs> yeah, I rolled some pretty nasty dungeon ER seeds at uh, at lower levels. I know that because I know there are seeds I've rolled that went five to six hours because of like just absolute garbage and like just okay. So you're gonna see someone FAE into like a stone forest to find fire or to find dins. No, it wasn't dins. It was. Rudos, I think, or it was irons to go into like stone water, which was fire temple, and just like, <laughs> oh my god, and like fire temple. Like, I think I saw someone bail on just like a strength two and a highest Goron with letter on hammer chest, and just like no, and go so, back, like, please. It, yeah, it's like please <laughs> go back, and then ah, that match took forever to beat, and I remember responding that to like one or two in the morning. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I only wish that the draft, I really like the idea of the draft. Uh, it kind of inspired me, um, but I, I really wish it had more varied options as far as settings go. Um, and me and uh, a friend of mine, Tiris, uh, one of my teammates for the multi-world tournament, 
and this idea. Why, why don't we just uh, do a, a mega settings draft, right? Okay, just a 1v1 between me and you, right? Except we each get five picks of literally anything you want, as long as it's reasonable. And there's one ban each. Uh, mine's always going to be tech shuffle against him. His is always decoupled against me. And then we just uh, go at it. So uh, we've done this a couple times. I definitely encourage everyone to try it at least once. Um, ton of fun. Ton yeah. of fun. Well, I think settings draft originated. Well, I, I, I'm not sure if originated is the right word. But mm-hmm. Johnny Game Show was like a bit of a pioneer when it came to settings draft. Because that was a thing back in the Scrubs Discord around the time of early season uh, two i want to say season, it was off season season one is when that johnny published that yeah and johnny was mm-hmm. like hey i've got a cool idea for like this draft settings league and it was really yeah. fun and i had a game yeah. against i had a match against levi and i shuffled ocarinas and he hated me for it um <laughs> yeah there yeah. are a few matches played and then it kind of dropped but the idea isn't bad like yeah the, yeah because that was the first i sort of heard of a draft things oh this is really fun and you know in a one-on-one environment which didn't really mean much i had a blast oh it's wonderful didn't find an ocarina for two and a half hours and um, it was yeah we had a really good time so it has been going for a while but hasn't really picked up much steam as you say so maybe we'll see a little bit more now that it's been in multi-world and proven like a, a pretty decent concept it's mm-hmm. only a good thing for like playability considerations and like you don't want to keep the same settings for a very very long time we've already seen people hate that uh once it gets to a certain point so mm-hmm. um specifically obviously at season three um and those kinds of uh settings but this definitely adds a, a nice variety to that so i'm definitely a big fan of it i just wish you know in a draft setting i'm just like one of your picks can be Songs on Dungeon Rewards. Is that cool? He's like, yep, yep, okay, that's your pick. <laughs> like, and then it goes from there and spirals into degeneracy until you're doing 100 Skull Bridge, but it's all all token sanity and Oko. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. But not to get too far on the tangent here, um, moving on to our next tournament, the Random Settings League. Uh, you know, I keep talking about this uh, damn tournament. Uh, can't stop talking about it. Just all... Uh, it's been a great season this time. Uh, haven't made it too far into the bracket myself. Uh, got like, I don't know, four rounds, five rounds. But um, in the winners' final, we have Rob Dog against Hamster. That's going to be uh, at the time of this recording. It's Saturday, but it's going to be next Tuesday. So it's probably already happened if you're listening to this. But uh, there's also the losers' semifinals, which feeds into that. Uh, Zopar and Vodzilla had enough against each other. Vodzilla already took out a lot of strong players this uh, this season. What the hell's happened? Just straight yeah. up. The king is dead. Long live the king. Yes, finally. Like I, I was wondering <laughs> if the community had the had the skill to beat what the hell's, I mean, in a, in a bracket setting. I, I just uh, don't know if that was possible. I mean, he just won season four. Like, fuck. It's really hard to beat. So I'm, Didn't he win season one and season two of RSL? Yes. Yeah, I think I think he went unbeaten in both seasons. Like didn't I think even so go too. into losers. Yep. And <laughs> Just, obviously managed to get all the way up to like winners semis and then lost to Rob. No, yeah, they lost this, to Hamster. Lost to Hamster, I think. Oh yeah, he lost to Hamster, but like all, all of his season one, season two matches were insane because there's like no ER, no MQ. It's basically standard plus and plus or minus a few things, like 
It's like each of the seeds were like that, basically. There's like no like max like shit seeds. Or yeah, no, those like eight that, hour but... fiestas. No, no, that's what mm. I get. That's what I get. Um, <laughs> not not in the brackets, but you know, for for other <laughs> runner, not what not what the hell. So it was definitely uh, he had one of those seeds against Bodzilla this time, so he couldn't get he couldn't dodge it. And I think Bod's gotten really really good um, mm-hmm. as a player. So and it, it's yeah. cool seeing Zopar this uh, this deep into it. One of the the last uh, organizer into it. So got rooting for Zopar, but definitely rooting against him at the same time as I always do. And mm-hmm. uh, ba- basically, it's just can we can we beat Rob? And I, I don't know if we can. <laughs> I think I think Rob's going to win. Rob is a really strong RSL player too, so yeah. it's going to be an interesting final. I struggle to see Rob losing. Like even the races Rob doesn't play that go on live, he'll jump in on Discord at like four hours later. It's like, hey, so I async this and I beat you all by an hour. So like, right, yeah, <laughs> okay. and, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, and then you watch him play. And it's like, oh, shit, man, he's going to be everyone by an hour, isn't he? And then he normally does. Um, but fair play to Hamster. Hamster's been doing great this tournament, so it is going to be tough for for Rob in the winners' finals. I think Hamster's got a good chance. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, Vod is Vodzilla is absolutely through the roof in terms of their skill level at this point and i think they're doing an incredible job definitely one to look out for for uh season five of the the main tour main uh standard sayings if you will um so yeah i think that's going to be a great match um if you're rooting against zopar and for him then i guess i'll root for him and against him yeah um, there we go there we go <laughs> the like not sure if you're rooting for him or against him but you can do either yeah you can um, never really cheer on an organizer the organizers have to lose their own tournaments that's just how it goes yeah, Sage. Yeah, well, anyone at home or listening, uh, if you just want to get into random settings for next season, season four, that's um, just around the corner. As soon as this one's done, the next league season basically starts, more or less. Um, but there are a few things that might change, such as the weights for settings. So um, there, uh, we, we have a website that you can go to. Uh, we'll probably put it in the description. Uh, that you can check out the current weights, the percentage chance that you get a setting in RSL. Um, those will be subject to change, however the community sees fit. So uh, a yep. little bit of retinkering of numbers, but also uh, there, there might be other changes such as uh, the hint system. Um, really too much to go into detail right now on, but uh, there, there's a season four weights channel um, that you can discuss all of this and more on. And Or if you want to see the discussion, it's all there. Um, should be pretty interesting, I, I think, going to season four here. And if you really want Master Quest to be 100%, then get your opinion in the season four weights channel because I know everyone is sitting there thinking, man, I want Master Quest on all the time. So, you know, get get those, flood the, <laughs> flood the chat with those opinions, and I'm sure everyone will be happy with the happy with that. Where's you my should, you're still salty, Jim, that we increased MQ chance for this season or? Hey, no, I've got nothing wrong with MQ. I've got nothing wrong with MQ. Even though I lost because I didn't know MQ Shadow because I'm fucking (laughs) amateur. Uh, I don't have anything against MQ. I have everything against one hit KO, but that's a separate discussion. That's fair. No one to create a 20-minute tangent on my hatred of damage. Yeah. Uh, There's also the DDR tournament, the Dungeon Door Requirements uh, rule set tournaments. And uh, in the winner's final, waiting right now, is Sora versus Sage. They've both been tearing it up this season. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, this is the first DDR tournament that they've held. Um, and the loser semifinals currently is Dotso versus one of Fantatank or Asder. Uh, they still have to play that match as well. Um, should be a, a delightful end of the tournaments. I think uh, pretty much any of those players are very strong and uh, have been playing a lot of DDR as of late. So it's kind of been overlapping a lot of these other tournaments. So I haven't been following it too closely, but uh, I think I commentated a match the other weekend and I think I watched another one, but uh, it's been pretty interesting. I, I really like their uh, their hint distribution specifically. Yeah. It plays really um, well. It is like very high skill level at this stage. Not so definitely one of the favorites going into the tournament. Um, and actually got knocked into losers by Fantatank, if I recall correctly. So if they come up against Fantatank again, that's going to be a really spicy match. Um, and Sora versus Sage, two great runners. Sora's been around for a while as well. Um, going back to sort of where we all came from, I know Sora's been around the scene for quite some time. So uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting end to DDR, and hopefully it picks up some new players and some new runners, and we get a season two. Now, since the last episode, another Blitz tournament has come and passed, and the qual for that was on August 15th. The finals were August 22nd. Uh, this one had Scrubs tournament settings plus Scrub Shuffle, and kind of a, a weird, in my opinion, weird change in that uh, most of DC was dead, except the upper floor, I think, or, or past the skull. Yeah, it was everything uh, past the stairs. Yeah, I think was 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 turned on, but everything beforehand was dead. It was one of the most uh, definitely one of the most wild changes, not in terms of impact, but just in terms of where the fuck did this come from? Yeah, I just I can't get behind it. I'm I'm already like when we had weekly settings and all the scrub shenanigans in DC and like turning those on or off, but not in other dungeons. Like it's, I, you have to do either one or the other thing. I, I just think it's like meddling too much. Uh, and just pick like better settings or something. <laughs> like, I don't know, like maybe don't pick scrub shuffle, but you do something else or I don't know. But uh, I definitely boycotted this one just because of that. But uh, the, the winner though, Iligatua. Haven't seen that name in a while. Yeah, I know. It's, it's good. And we spoke about this in the Blitz episode last time. It's like it's nice to see people winning tournaments that we don't often see win things. Um, and yeah, Iligatua. I haven't seen them in a, in a good while. They were, I think they were part, like, they did a few races in Season 4 and then kind of dropped off and they, they weren't doing so well in, in terms of their races. And so yeah, back with a vengeance, which is great to see. So it's another... another Brand new name uh, for for the winner of a tournament, and that's really good to see. Went up against Sponge. Sponge, unfortunately, had some technical issues throughout the race, but yeah, uh, congrats and GG to Elagachua. Good to see them back, and hopefully we'll see them around a bit more. And now, if you want to join another Blitz tournament, there is going to be a three-person multi-world 69-piece Triforce Hunt nice. uh, Blitz tournament. So... Uh, should be a ton of fun. I'm not going to be in it, but uh, I know there's going to be quite a few teams, I would I would say. Probably like, I don't know, 8 to 16. It seems like it, it'd be kind of hard to run a Blitz setting uh, or just a Blitz tournament in general with, with Multiworld, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Uh, the, the qualifier is on September 5th, which is next weekend, and uh, Asyncs are allowed, so definitely join their Discord. Um you can probably find it somewhere also in the uh, the main Discord. I'll link to it in, I think, side tournaments uh, channel. So mm-hmm. uh, check that out if you're interested. Should be cool. We also have uh, the co-op season two tournament. Yeah, baby. Coming up here. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Jim? 
Yeah, I certainly can. So, Co-op Season 2 is on the way. You have about... When this goes live, you'll have about two weeks exactly to to, to sign up to the, to the tournament. Settings got decided a few days ago. Myself and Felix so far uh, essentially in charge of the settings for that. And thanks to the community for their feedback on that. Uh, but yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It should be a really good season. Um, the settings are, you know, I think most people are happy with the settings that have landed. Vanilla Bridge with an all uh, an, an always hint for light arrows. So that's something new. Um, but yeah, it's we're excited. Currently, there's 32 teams signed up, which is a, a decent number. It'd be nice to hit the same number we had for season one, but I know that uh, be a struggle with just how many other things are going on at the same time. Um, but yeah, you've got two weeks from from listening to this to to sign up. Get grab yourself a partner. If you don't have a partner, join the Discord anyway and look for one because there's plenty of people that might be looking for one, including me maybe. Uh, so you might be able to team up with someone cool. Um, but yeah. <laughs> That will be uh, happening in just over, as of now, just about three weeks' time uh, when the, the the opening weekend of the 17th and 18th uh, kicks off. And yeah, very much looking forward to that. Any of you mm-hmm. uh, thinking about joining that one? I won't be joining personally. I'm starting school backup, so I've been trying to get out of tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I'm also not going to play. I never tried co-op. I would like to, but... At the moment, I like have a lot of real real life stuff that's going on, so I'm definitely happy. Like I was for like the better part of this year was in like four tournaments or competitions, and just like being free of those feels really good right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah, breaks are always great to take, and uh, definitely encourage you if you feel like you need one. Uh, I know I'll be. I'll be in it uh, with my partner, Tenacious Toad. Um, have a, emo Toad. Have a... Hashtag Emo Toad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had some good practice. So I'm looking forward to see how, how far we can push the, our skill and uh, teamwork and all that. So um, good luck. Just want to beat Beerus. So. Yeah. Not on the list, but a shout out I want to I wanna make is uh, the Pictionary community race which happened um last weekend which was oh yeah so much fun <laughs> oh my god big, big shout outs to tj for sorting out that one in the, the silver gauntlets discord that was an absolute blast um that it could was a mess that seed couldn't have been worse for trying yeah. to draw to, like for trying to read a spoiler log and drawing where things were is absolute hot spicy mess and yep. it was absolutely magnificent. So, yeah, hopefully we'll be seeing a few more of those down the line. Um, but, yeah, just want to give a shout-out for that one because it was so much fun, and the organization of it was flawless, went great. Everyone had a blast, and I drew some real stupid shit for Melrose to try and <laughs> work out. And I'm sure more than a few people saw what the hell happens. Absolutely divine drawing of King Dodongo. Yep. <laughs> Getting 40 skulls for Rudos without skull sanity is so bad. Yeah. Or with skull sanity, you're just like, okay, so uh, this place is like three tokens. This place is like four. Just have fun, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> There's no way to draw every individual chest, every individual token where, like, okay, this is a gold skull token, so get this one, but not this one. Just like, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I ended yeah. up just clearing a lot of dungeons in that, just because, like, I need tokens. It was such a wild ride, and like I said, it, it was great fun. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully we see a couple more of those. 
Um, but yeah, good times. Definitely haven't tried that, but that would, that would be uh, interesting to try it. I've done it a couple times, but none of them are skulls, so you end up finishing with like four hearts because you're not just, you just don't pick up chess <laughs> along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds a bit like co op then. But that brings us on to Scrub Season 3, the main topic of uh, what, what? this episode. We are joined by some wonderful folks from the Scrubs Discord, um, which is its own thing. And I guess I'll hand this off to the three of you to sort of as a question of what is, of course, the Discord is, is called Scrub Central. The, the Twitch channel is called Scrub Central. So what is Scrub Central? You know, in, in your your best way of describing what the place is. So Scrub Central is an OTR community that is focused on newer runners. It was built around providing a tournament for newer runners to compete because we all can watch the top 32, but a lot of us can't realistically make top 32 like Devin Felix were able to. <laughs> Uh, so at Scrubs, we throw a tournament for newer runners or older runners that just aren't as practiced at the game or as good at the game to give them a place to compete. Yeah, so people who like just started out can actually gain valuable tournament experience, get their feet wet with competitive racing. And like it's also a place where a lot of strategies are shared, a lot of techniques are shared, and this is just to like basically prepare newer runners for their like giving them a head start in the Ocarina of Time randomizer career that they have ahead of them. Even though in the Discord you will all see like any other game than OOT being streamed, well, it's pretty much open to everything. Yeah, I've learned how to play including OOT, four different randomizers through the Scrub Central Discord. Yep. Yeah, and that's, that's a big thing about sort of Scrub Central. It's, it's not just, you know, where the Silver Gauntlets is basically a spin-off of the main Discord, which is focused on Ocarina of Time randomizer tournaments, of course. Scrub Central is more a community, right? It's a community which, yes, obviously is the foundations were from Ocarina of Time randomizer, but ultimately it's a community of players and races, and not necessarily races, just people who are new at this, these games and, you know, want to want to learn how to race and want to learn how to um, enjoy themselves maybe in a competitive vi environment, and now for three or four or five different games, you know? I think mm -hmm. the Minish Cap is quite big in in scrubs, right? I know a few people do the Minish Cap over yeah. there. Well, it was, um, but it's kind of dropped off. But that's how I learned how to play Minish Cap, and I've played in the last two tournaments for it. So nice. Yeah, a good way to describe the Scrub Central community is probably it's a like a school for Ocarina of Time randomizer, but it has a massive playground where you can just come in anytime and play whatever you want. Basically, I think that's a good description for it. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like, in general, the staff is like pretty much half and half split with the tournament team and the the Discord community team. Where like we have just staff that take care of some things. It just it because they're two equally big parts of the Discord. It's not just for the tournament; it's for also everything else. Also, we have the dankest of memes. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the most important channel and the whole Scrub Central Discord is the Dank Memes channel. <laughs> yeah, most important one. What is Scrubs without memes, you ask? Nothing. Um, so, yeah, it's important to, to, I guess, reflect on the fact that it, 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 there is a lot of fun to be had with, you know, with, with people around that community. I think it's more focused on having a good time, right? And yeah. that's, a, that's a big part of the, the community. So, and that's, that, you know, that's, that's awesome. Those that want that sort of thing, it's, it's super cool that they've got a place to be and a place to enjoy themselves. And yeah, as you say, post dank memes. <laughs> so, what what are we doing if we're not offering people a place to post their memes right mm-hmm. um, but yeah um i you know i think the thing i like most about and i guess this is heading into the tournament section which we'll discuss um i like the fact that you know in terms of qualifiers and and qualifying for to- for the scrubs tournaments for our of time of course um it's essentially bottom up, right? You don't you don't qualify by doing well. You actually, it's kind of the reverse, right? You you qualify, you play as qualifiers and 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 whatnot, and th- they get fills from the bottom instead of from the top, which means that you're never as as a new runner, you know, if you've never if you've never raced Ocarina of Time randomized before, you just jump in as a new runner. You're gar- essentially guaranteed a place in the tournament because it because it does backfill instead of sort of top fill. Uh, and that's really cool. Um, it means that, you know, because well, you do get races that join scrubs, quals, and stuff that are clearly like overqualified. You know, I think, yes, today's qualifier had cola in it, for example, and everyone knows cola's no scrub. Um, but because of the way it works, cola will always overqualify and it'll just sort of fill from the bottom. And I really like that system. Um, I think it's really good. And um, yeah, it just means that anyone yeah, can. Yeah, there's sort of- a rich tournament scene for OT, especially for stronger runners like yeah. Cole, like he was in challenge you have both uh main tournaments challenge cups all these side tuners who talked about that you can make runs as a higher tiered player but if you're new to the game or haven't had as much practice that's why i have scrubs is to try and give you a place to compete yeah where you don't get just washed point. out by everyone that's been playing for so long yeah and at the same time like just giving some spotlight to the people who just start out as well like Getting started with stuff like this and like maybe trying to um like start off on streaming on Twitch and like you can get a little bit of attention there, like being featured on restream for scrubs and like eventually being checked out. Like just get started with the whole Twitch thing too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and the scrubs tournaments for which one of the only tournaments where top players are like their goal is to not qualify, like Chip said. It's just you see from the bottom <laughs> and a lot of players just like okay play the quality to not qualify which is really weird and like paradoxical because like okay why am i playing this qualifier if my goal is not to qualify but we appreciate it a lot still yeah it I helps mean, our point them a lot yeah people do it for different reasons you'll have people that just want to race and you'll have really good runners that's like well i'll just want to race and, and join in mm-hmm. whatever and stuff a bit of fun you'll have people that sort of don't know if they're you know, and you know, I'm going to use myself as an example here. When I joined season two, scrub season two, I joined. I was like, I don't actually know if I'm sort of an overqualifier or whether I'd, I'd land in like Group B or A or something like that. So let's find out, right? And it was a bit of a bit of an experiment for me to see sort of see where my skill level was. And I dare say a lot of people joined with sort of maybe there was that in mind as well. And then you've got a third category of yeah, I just want to you know I'm not really experienced with the game. I just want to join in and have a good time and. Um, you know, just 
learn about competition from that way. And it's, mm-hmm. It appeals to everyone for different reasons. Um, so that's, yeah, it's good stuff. I think a great thing that it does, and it's a, a big reason why I, I liked how the league system worked and that everyone had the same settings. So it, it didn't matter if you were a good runner or a, a lower uh, tiered runner, uh, you all played on the same settings. So you still shared a lot of the same strategies and improvements and, and things like that. So um, adding in all of these overqualified, quote unquote, runners to the scrubs, uh, qualifier races, I think, is only a good thing for newer players. Uh, it makes it so that you have a, a nice, you know, a visible goalpost that you can, you know, shoot for if you want to, or just know where it is. It's uh, if you're just getting into it, it's instead of being segregated, you know, only new players playing in this race, and then you join like a weekly and get absolutely decimated, you know, it, it's better if you're all playing together in the same pool, you know. Mm. Yeah, it also gives you, like, looking at the stronger races, like, you can do some research after the race, you can just rewatch your opponent's vods and stuff, and, like, just learn new things about the game and where to improve, right? Mm-hmm. It's also pretty handy. Yeah. But, like, that goes for racing in general, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, even sometimes, like, I'll rewatch some vods and I'll just be like, wow, I didn't know this existed, and I'm, like... So I've gotten pretty far to the racing scene, and I'm still finding out things like yeah, two three hey, years after I started. I, I only learned yesterday that you can drop off chickens in the in the in Kakariko, leave Kakariko, and they'll still be in the fucking pen. I only <laughs> learned that yesterday. So you know, wait, you can leave the entire village. Yeah, you can back. leave Kakariko, come back, and it'll still be in the pen. You can save quit. You can change age, and they'll still be in that pen when you what? go back. <laughs> Right. See, At least if learning. you don't fill up to seven. Or yeah, whatever exactly. Required. So you do a quick, quick, quick nip through, drop a chicken in, and then you do another. You quickly hand in. That's cool. Uh, Keaton mask. Drop another chicken in. Well, chicken oh, route. Nice. Chicken I've route got two in, so I'll go back and I only have to do five. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, it that's the changed. same way as uh, indoor entrance. You're just reloading cacks. So. Yeah, it's yeah. changed the chicken um, game forever. Yeah, so, just route chickens yeah. and have like a chickens tracker on screen <laughs> so you can chickens actually tracker. check like how many you put in. How much time have I wasted? Hmm. <laughs> I wasted three chickens a time this seed. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Three out of seven. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> God, the, the strats. Yeah. Learning, learning on the Gossip Stone podcast. You're welcome. Um, so let's jump into you know the tournaments and suits. Uh, Scrubs tournament. So we can't really talk about Scrubs without talking about Lord Xenu, of course, who is essentially one of the admins. Is it you call them admin staff uh, over in Scrubs? Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. Lord Xenu, I think he was the founder. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was the founder. He's the, the founding member of Scrubs Central of Lord Xenu, uh, created it after what was essentially a bit of a essentially an in joke. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, season one happened early 2020, just after season three uh, qualifiers ended, basically. Um, your average needed to be of 330 or greater as sort of like a benchmark. And then, and then, yeah, a benchmark. If your average was 330 or lower, then you were deemed too good to be a scrub. And, you know, that made me happy because I think I was like 326 at the time. Um, and yeah, that was a little, as you say, a benchmark of getting in. The tournament settings were mostly the same with some sort of player friendly things turned off. So 1500 was just disabled, 1450 skulls disabled, 
Adult trade quests were set to claim check to make that a little more simplified. No ice traps, good. Ice traps can get fucked. Um, and <laughs> one of the biggest changes, and I guess contentious changes, looking back on it now, um, was lens. Because uh, the lens has always been a bit of a problem I <sighs> in terms of logic and in terms of you know experience it sucks. and understanding. It sucks, okay? Lens <laughs> sucks. Yeah. sucks. Yeah, so lens was required everywhere for season one. And this uh, had a big yeah. this had a big impact on way of the heroes and logic and all sorts. Um, you know we can yeah. we can dive into that specifically in in, in, a, in a bit. Um, but yeah the, the limited to thirty two participants, four groups of eight um, which you know, made sense. A being the higher skill, D being the lowest. Seeding was done with, an, uh, with offline async qualifiers. Um, so I guess before we go into, you know, who won season one, let's 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 talk about those things. I want to talk about setting first because I have a hot take on this saying, which may, maybe people have said it before. So yeah, I want to talk about fifteen hundred horseback archery. Right. So my hot take and. The opinion that I have on 1500 specifically is mm -hmm. turning this setting off is not helpful to people who want to learn to get better. That's a very good point. Because I think that if you are learning, you know, if you if you're just joining the rant, the the, the game and the randomizer, taking away what is essentially a vanilla challenge which is required in the game you know nothing's changed to 1500 that is a check in the vanilla game that you're required to do turning that off means that players are never going to get better and learn how to do that for when they qualify or when they try to join you know the main main tournaments or whatever and i'm of the opinion that the main reason people can't do 1500 is because their emulator setup isn't quite correct and their control settings need a bit of a tweak. Or they didn't practice enough. <laughs> or that too. So, yeah, I guess that's, that's my spicy hot take on 1500. What, what are your thoughts? So, one of the things with 1500 is it is, you know, a vanilla challenge, but as far as vanilla challenges go, it's one of the hardest execution-wise. Like, I don't think you'll get too much argument at, from that. But uh, on top of that, what keeping a thousand in does is it just gives you like background practice at doing horseback archery. Like, you're not challenging to get 1500, but you're getting more used to the mini game over time. That when you find they're like, I want to join a weekly, and you have to go do 1500, that you have a little bit of practice under your belt instead of. I've done five seeds, and I have to do 1,500 horseback archery. This sucks. Yeah, uh, 1,500 horseback archery is like... You probably end up like having the skill to do it at some point anyway. But like, I feel like for a lot of the like very new runners, that this setting, like this check, sorry, this check in particular seems very intimidating. I've talked to a lot of people before who are like, Nah, I don't know, 1500's on, I can't do that. and Or like situations where people just spend like half an hour on trying 1500. And with that, we kind of want to aim for like people not being discouraged by it, people like rather joining than not. Mm. Did you not ever more. think about making an always hint? I mean, that still doesn't uh, change the people need to do you it. You still have to do no, it. No, but of course, if... if <laughs> There's a difference between having to do 1500 because you don't know if anything's on it and knowing if you have to do 1500 because something is on it, right? Mm -hmm. Because most seeds, 
that let's face it, there won't be anything on fifteen hundred because it'll be hinted. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. You still have to do a hundred, a thousand anyway, because that won't be hinted. But you know, and you can rest in, you know, rest easy that you don't have to do fifteen hundred that particular seed. But every once in a while, because it is always hinted and it might have something, you then need to practice and do it like every one mm. in ten seeds because it's on and there's something there, right? I mean, based on community, a lot of people just forfeit that one in ten seed. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize because, and I, I don't know if this is just me being, you know, and I'm not trying to blow my own horn. Like I can do fifteen hundred <laughs> comfortably. I don't know if this is just me being like, well, I find it quite easy. Am I sort of under? Um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? underestimating um, yeah am i underestimating the difficulty of something that i can do fairly simply and i guess it could be the case you know it could definitely be the case that i mean if you got 20 years of experience with a vanilla game then no problem right that's like where i come from is i played the vanilla game so much that like i'm, I'm not a speedrunner or anything but like mm. this game has been with me for like most of my life and like all of the aiming things i'm actually pretty decent at so like for me it never occurred it never occurred to me that 1500 is like super difficult but i can see why people are struggling with that and like even if you make it an always hint like at least you're giving people the option to forfeit right on the spot rather than like hard last locationing it and like clearing like the rest of the seed in like four hours and then then be sitting there for like an hour for hospital archery and eventually giving up or something mm. that's really heartbreaking so like and like if we turned it on an always hint would probably be required i actually like the idea uh, i mean it depends if you like to forfeit seeds or not. Because some people I mean, that's you know, an have essential skill too, right? That's an essential skill too, right? Learning when to stop. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was something I really needed to learn. Devin is introducing interventions into Ocarina of Time. <laughs> uh, I'm just imagining Chimp under the, like, you know, the horseback archery lady. He's just right there under the banner thing, just <laughs> sipping his tea. Like, well, I could do 1500 <laughs> first. <time, but. laughs> it's awesome. Um, I, I agree with Jim's take in that just turn 1500 on. Um, but that also extends to I think 10 pose should be 10, not nope. one. Yeah, but that's because you're a sadist. <laughs> <laughs> it's life-changing, Champ. It's great. Ten pose is good. For those and... that haven't listened to previous episodes, you will not know that Emo does in fact like the worst sayings in the game and is very <laughs> much on their own in, in that front. No one it... no one likes Ten Pose. Everyone Sons likes Sun's song. Starting song. No. no, it's not. Sun's no, is a great starting bad. song. You're wrong. You're wrong, Emo. <laughs> All right, let's have a vote. Who <laughs> thinks that Sons is the worst sighing song? I don't think just, so. Just emo. So, I think they're uh, not the worst. It's among the worst. What do you mean it's close? What are you talking about? It's you close. Insane? What do you mean it's close? You're I mean, it's songs that are worse. Song it's of Time check. is worse. Song of Time is worse. Oh, yeah, Song of Time. Yeah, it's song nothing of time. to do with... No, no, it's nothing to do with the check. I don't give a fuck about Sungrave. I don't I don't sit there and spawn with Sun Song. I'm like, yes, I can do Sungrave. The world is <laughs> so much better. The world is I, do. Yeah. I sit there and think, okay, <laughs> I don't need to worry about time of day at any point during the seed. I can just mm -hmm. play Sun Song. Yeah. And I can go and do the nighttime checks. I 
can go do Dante whenever I want. Fuck that old grief digger. I've got Sunsong. And then I just go and relax. I don't need to worry about cat chain or any nonsense like that. I just yeah, sit there with Sunsong. I never need a cat chain. I laugh to myself. Yeah, well, you don't need it anymore anyway if you've got Sunsong. But no, Emo's like, now worst song in the game. I think it's second worst. I think it's second worst. Behind Song of Time. Oh I would say third worst. What? Oh, what's the oh, other one for you, Felix? Sarius. Sarius is fucking pointless. Um, yeah, Sarius, why is the hero spicy? It's two checks plus, like, oh yeah, screw Mido, you just jump over him. But yeah, I think, I like, just, with. The reason uh, I take Sarius over Sons is just to get Skull Kid out of the way when you're doing Lost Woods early. Yeah. But I think the, the important part about Sons is, like, without Sons as well, there's a lot of seeds where you just won't get it. It's, like, sometimes just learning proper time of day routing. Because there are a lot of resources in the game that will switch your time of day without suns, and knowing when to use those or like knowing what they do is very important. Still, like instead of using suns to get Dompe digging, you just like go to OGC before you go back child, and you'll have perfect time of day for it. Yeah, and for like people who are a little bit more experienced with the game who have their time of day routing down, Sunsong is just like pretty much useless unless like some time saves in oh yeah if we consider time saves sunsong isn't too bad like in lost woods there's a lot of potential use in kokiri forest and like everywhere where time of day is static like mm -hmm. you can do a bunch of cool things with that well this yeah, backfired i, I think <laughs> 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 it's me thinking i'd have loads of support pro sons but nope you're all a bunch of maniacs you have no power here no, clearly not. <laughs> but at least at least felix brought it back on topic of of, of you know it's all about learning but, yeah i also i think i think it also extends to chickens i think chickens should just be an always hint we already have the worst checks in the game as an always hint and that is the last one that is missing. <laughs> I actually agree, honestly. I, I would remove dude. I uh what what's an always that doesn't need one? Um but I don't I don't actually know, but Ocarina of Time. Ocarina no. of Time. No <laughs> dude, just remove the OOT and just deduce it. it, it yeah, I mean, like, is it that crazy? Is that no, that crazy? I, mean, uh, I don't think Skull Mask is as bad with S4. S3 definitely need it, but with S4, oh you'll Skull start Mask. you'll start arguments with that mindset, let me tell you. Yeah, we're, we're both pro Skull that's, Mask. Then, that's so. what we thought. And then it happened, yep. and then everyone got absolutely <laughs> mental. And we're like, fucking, what yeah. are you talking about? It's terrible. And yeah. 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 But if Skull, Mask is, if Skull Mask isn't always chickens, it's an always. That's just, I feel like that's kind of where yeah. my head is at. Because yeah. it's not a check I would be, do before the other. But now that you know that you can drop them off and leave and come back, and they're still there. That still requires you to go through CAC as child during daytime more than once. So yeah, is it really that useful? Happen. Like usually you go into CAC in graveyard oh, yeah. once or maybe twice if you get later get access to well, but that's about it. Like you don't ever come from DMT most of the and time. And normally you have at night to do Dompe instead of doing yeah. chickens. Exactly, and you don't have Sunsong. <laughs> well, and even with Sunsong, you, you'd have to play it after doing Dompe because you can't play yep. in CAC to get Dompe time. Yep. Anyway, I've derailed this enough, and I found yeah. out that you're all incorrect. <laughs> so let's move on to Lens, because I think all the Lens is an important topic to discuss when it comes yeah. to mm -hmm. It's essentially come up every season, yep. right? Yep. What to do with the Lens and you know what's what's the best for 
new runners, but also what's best for runners that kind of know what they're doing in that regard. So season one, as I mentioned, lens required everywhere. Now I know because I I did a few of the I did a few of the seeds for season one. I didn't, I didn't partake, but I did do a few of them. I hated lens required everywhere because you don't actually realize where lens is required when you when you activate that setting. <laughs> and everywhere. one of those one of those that I forgot about was GTG. I didn't realize that lens required everywhere would mean that to get past the silver block room with the wolfos that lens is required so yep. when yep. i did seed which required that and my lens was way of the hero i was no. like wait what the fuck is lens way the hero for this doesn't make any sense i've got requiem there's nothing like this I, I, you know shadow is barren or whatever it was at the time it's a stone don't need to do this what on earth is lens required for lo and behold there was something on the scarecrow chest uh, so, well, I yeah, think there was a semi-famous season one bracket seed, I think it involved Alpha Alpha, where it wasn't Lens, but it was a long shot way the hero to get to the uh, fire enemy room in GTG. Amazing. Hmm. Not to do yeah. water, but to get to the fire enemy room, because you didn't yeah, have Lens to do it. Because obviously you don't have Lens, so you have to go uh, like, yeah, the other way. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's mean. That's amazing. Yeah, so, that, so let's that, talk about why that was bad. I yeah, guess so what's changed. I would say lens is probably the most controversial item in the entire game by far. Just because like the logic quirks and like what it can be required for. Like if you played the game for like a hundred times, like you know exactly what you're doing. Like there's there's no way you need it, right? So what lens does is that if like if it's like you want it to be logically required everywhere, so it is available to players. Especially for newer players, that was the thought process with it being included in Scrub Season 1, that people who don't know their way around without lens would have the lens guaranteed logically somewhere. But for everyone who just gets a little bit more familiar with it, like as we already discussed, like the bait potential is massive. Like you get wave the hero hints for lens left and right, or like for items that lead to lens or something like that. Because there's <laughs> just like one random lens lock check. Like bottom of the well is like there's a lot of lens lock stuff in there. There's like like they are spread around the world. And like I think like even the entirety of Shadow Temple is locked behind lens, logically. So like the more comfortable you get, like I can see this like being in qualifiers, like people might be okay with that, especially like except for you for for um for runners who are more experienced, of course. But like the more you grow onto this, and like in the later stages of brackets of scrubs, where people actually develop a feeling for what to do without lens, like this is just off-putting. And like like that's just like people just don't want that. People want their hints to be helpful in a way, right? And this just this just shits on where if the hero hints in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, there's there's nothing like getting a lens where the like, and this this still happens today, right? You get a lens where the hero, and you're like, oh shit. Well, I know what that's for, you know. And it's it's sort of a a poison chalice in a way. You yeah. know exactly what it's for, but most of the time you don't give a fuck because it's like, oh, I just need this across the wasteland. Or something like that, and mm. you know, as if if you're a runner that doesn't need it, you're like, well, this is a waste of time, waste of hint, waste of time, and you know, no one's happy because it's just big bait. But sometimes 
it can really help with the logic of a seed. You know, you'll get a lens and you'll go, like, okay, well, there's nothing on treasure chest minigame, which means I'm expected to cross the wasteland. I don't have hovers or long shot yet. So I know that hovers or long shot, one of the two can't be in spirit because I know that I need to cross the wasteland. And, you know, you can you can work out things from there. And it does add to the, the fun logic of a seed. Um, but that's, I guess that's, that is the not the norm you know the norm would be you get baited into a way the hero lens that you don't think you need and it never actually proves useful um, and uh, yeah i guess what was the response in season one for this setting and you know what what made you change it we weren't part of the original staff for season two but i think the, the overall response from season one was just people hate, like didn't like lens everywhere yeah. and like would much rather it because a lot of people don't need lens for what everywhere requires it for. Like, okay, that one target in GTG, the chest, like, I think it was uh, Light Trial, the invisible enemies require lens. Oh, and yeah. Yep, that's a good one. You have just all over the world that just, like, people know how to do without lens, but still required it. So the general response was just, can we make it, like, not terrible? And just because at the time, the only options were everywhere, like, Wasteland chess minigame and chess minigame. And so, like, I think from that point, there was also a split in the lens logic where it was split into multiple tricks. And so there was a probably much bigger discussion of just like, okay, which of these tricks do we want to be on for this? And like, it was settled on that, like, okay, we have the lens required for like shadow after the moving platform because that moving platform is really tricky. And that was a more interesting lens setting, but it still like caused yeah, a lot of bait and seeds. Because like, like lens could just be required <laughs> to beat the game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, why the hero optimal, just sweet shadow. Yeah, yep. why did it wasn't optimal? It was at least a step in the right direction. Yeah, it yeah. was definitely better. And as someone who played in season two, I was like, you know what? I can I can understand this. It was still a bit meh, some seeds, because again, you'd get sort of that bait lens, and like, oh, okay, well, this is just to beat shadow, and that's all it was. But it was definitely a, a better step um of not requiring some real nonsense uh, in terms of logic for that lens. There was another uh, infamous seed. I think it wasn't an S2 actually, but in lead-up test 2, there was a practice race where it was storms on OT with hinted Wathwell because it had the lens. Yep. (laughs) To be Shadow. Yep. All dungeons for lens. And like your go mode was in Composer Grave right there. It's just like, nope, but like you rush well because it's way to here. I'm just like, well, okay, I got baited. Yeah, and Storms just wasn't required if you yeah. could do it lensless. But <laughs> everyone got baited because it was Half a way to hear well. Yeah. yeah, and if anything, you could argue that that makes things harder for new players, right? Because you're trying to mm-hmm. teach them logic and you're trying to teach them the right things to do. But then you're throwing them a massive curveball of, oh, by the way, you could get baited really badly with a lens. Yeah. You know, and they follow the logic. They're like, wait, this is just for a lens? What wait, what was the point of this? What does the lens get me? And then they realize mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that was that was real dumb. Um obviously, obviously some players still need the lens, and that's absolutely fine. But the the yeah, know, the, I guess the the sort of group B's and A's, you know, they don't they don't need the lens as such as um the players in group D and maybe mm-hmm. group C. And even like without the lens, you still have the those way the hero hints sometimes just like okay well this strength one is way the hero and just like what's this strength two strength like like you have to worry about something like why aren't my hovers way the hero when shadows the stone just like you still have those logic chains sometimes to figure out which can help with logic like can help with just figuring out logic with which gets you pretty far into the rando itself 
like when you do add, like kind of have the the lens back in for wasteland or trust me game just like figuring out that that lens logic sometimes it just sort of a maybe lower level just give them less things to worry about but still the same situations that would occur in a, a weekly race yeah and i think the reason we we decided to start with lens was just we didn't want to deal with it we didn't want to deal with the logic. We yeah. didn't want to deal with the fucking way of the hero lenses. So we just said, you know what? Let's just give him. Let's just give him from the start. Like, okay, yeah. just me. The game will be in logic earlier, but just the season. We really don't want to deal with those way the to hero fair, lenses. I think that's a really smart way of dealing with it. I honestly do. I think if if players need the lens, they've got it, and they don't need to worry about having to find it. Mm-hmm. Players don't need the lens. They don't need to care about it. But hey, maybe if you want to quickly whip it out for that truth spinner, just so you don't get baited twice then that's yeah. fine, you know? And I think I honestly think that was the best way to go about it. Give people the lens. Those that need it can use it. Those that yeah. don't need it don't need to use it. And that's it. Simple. You know, you don't need mm-hmm. to... No logic implications, no uh, no, no nonsense of chasing all dungeons for a, a lens in the well. And, you know, people can just roll onto the seed as, as they would. As you say, chess mini, Treasure Chess minigame comes open maybe a little earlier. A lot of seeds, which is not ideal, but it's just one check. And, you know, it's... Mm. better than the alternatives definitely you know definitely a a hit you're willing to take on that so i think that was probably the right thing to do um but yeah i guess moving on to you know the 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 results of season one the inaugural season of scrubs you know winner of group a was alfalfa field uh the winner of group b was vodzilla who as we've already discussed we're now seeing sort of win uh other tournaments become strong in on their Mm. own front in rsl and uh main setting so that's awesome uh, Doodlebit is the winner of Group C, and Dark Dylan the the winner of Group D. I think all of all of those are still active these days, so it's um, good to see that there's progression and they're still still taking part in things. And Doodle is also one of the uh, staff, right, for for Scrubs. Yep. Yeah, Doodle, does, I don't uh... think Doodle is racing anymore, but he's very much involved with like everything restream specific. Yeah. Uh, Doodle does the layouts. He does. He does a lot of stuff for yeah, Doodle. Did, Shadow, Doodle, did the, Doodle. Didn't Doodle do the intro vid? Yes. Yes. yes that that is all Doodle. Amazing. I loved the Scrub Season 3 intro video. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, so big shout out to Doodle on that. Yeah, we just posted in our Discord for the staff. It's just like, hey, we're thinking of doing the date. Doodle's just like, give me like 15 minutes and threw that together. It's just like, you're insane. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. I absolutely loved the intro for season three. So shout out to Doodle. Um, yep. But then we rolled into season two. Season two of Scrubs did not take too long to kick off. Um, season one was a massive success. Over 80 people were interested in the season two after sort of a, a poll and seeing where people are at. Um, mix of live and offline asyncs, which has essentially become the norm, I dare say, now for, for ongoing Scrubs uh, season. Season three had the same thing. Um, mm. And you know, it's, uh, the difference with this is there was no sort of time bracket or sort of time. Uh, Devin used the right word earlier, and I forgot. About benchmark. It. Benchmark. That's the one. There was no benchmark. Anyone could join, you know, and anyone could participate in the quals. Again, I guess because it doesn't really matter if if the best players join the quals because it is a backfill. So you know, ultimately, it makes no difference. Um, and the bracket stage focus, of course, fully on the lower tier runners. Uh, ninety people competed. Uh, and, sorry, ninety people complete at least five quals. 
um, which led to a massive expansion, I guess you could say, of, of Season 2. Brackets were six groups of eight. There are a total of 48 participants instead of the uh, four groups of eight of Season 1. Um, and yeah, we had Group S and X this time. To sort of, again, add, add, add an extra layer to Scrubs. You know, it was very popular. Why not just add a few extra groups of uh, those that might not have been eligible for maybe season one but you know they are still up and up and coming runners and why not give them a place to be um and there was always the also the um baby dodongo's invitational which i was remember being part of not as not strictly uh organized by scrubs but was held by levi and doc heaps for those that over qualified um for the for the scrubs tournament as a whole so that was a, that was a nice spin on not sure if that's going to happen for season three i guess we'll need to see if uh levi and and doc or anyone else can be asked because i imagine it was quite a lot of effort um, yeah i feel a little bit bad about this only because i complained a lot that i was overqualified for the scrubs too even though I have pretty much no reason to be salty about it i was still salty about it so i, I felt like i was a driving force behind this as one of the top complainers back then, but uh, do you feel a little bit guilty? <laughs> but only a little bit. <laughs> all, all salty soda over here. Um, but yeah, this, what, what was uh, your three of your experiences in season two? I know you were saying you weren't part of a season two staff as such, but what were your experiences from that season? From the uh, baby Congress, or No, from, the, from you know, season two oh, scrubs oh. as a whole. Yeah. Whoops. I remember the the qualifiers, the quali- some of the qualifiers being pretty bad in season two. That some of them are still legends today. There was, I think, a like an offline qual, maybe offline qual seven in the, yeah, the season two. That like, if you say the name in the, the Scrubs Discord, you have a lot of people who recognize it and say, like, why are you bringing this up? Because like a lot of people just last location the first bow in like stone water dragon chest and it was yeah. just oh that, that, was, that was amazing oh man that yeah. scene sucks so much oh, ass. yeah <laughs> that was amazing that was legendary yeah. but I think I remember as well just doing the quads like getting forged just like oh hey baby the dongos is here like okay well try it out and I got scooped round one by Ryu Kane. <laughs> on an all dungeons for song of time for lights and toilet which you rolled chimp. You're welcome. <laughs> but that was probably one of the worst seeds I've ever played in a while. But that was pretty much my experience with season two. Yeah. Fun. And I like commentated a lot, tracked a lot, restreamed a few things, but I have I'm having more fun volunteering for matches recently. From my point of view, season two was like again my stepping stone into the racing scene as a whole, right? Um, there was some, like, like within the qualifying phase, there was, like, a rivalry going on between me and Tomato Soup. And, um, like, you, you just met a lot, a lot of friends along the way, and some rivalries going on, which, like, pushed you even further. And in the end, I ended up in Group S, and Timmy ended up in Group A. We were, like, we were actually expecting, um to end up in the same group so we could really duke it out in the bracket stage that would have been really cool um but like everyone was actually pretty like in the in the groups x to a everyone was actually i think pretty close in points 
like no one was too far off so that was just like that could have just happened to anyone i guess um and then like then bracket stage came around and i like i went undefeated until grand finals where i met Jirexo for the first time very good runner at the time still is probably but they have not been around that much um and i just got my ass kicked twice so like he was the one i was never able to defeat but like like since then he's kind of my rival but that has died down a little bit but like these like meeting awesome people having a lot of fun playing the game and like it was just an overall awesome experience which really really made me want to get involved with this further like i i hang out in the in the the scrubs call voice calls nearly every day and it was like i could probably help out with this that's why i'm here today i guess like just an awesome event yeah yeah i couldn't play in season 2 cuz i had irl stuff in the way but uh i do remember that when brackets came out that they were very, very close matches across the board. I know the point system got changed between S1 and S2 because there's some unevenness in some of the S2 groups. People were overplaced or underplaced, depending on you know, how you view a person's skill level just in general. But that, like, almost all the groups are very, very competitive and close. Yeah, I remember seeing the overall sort of placements and points. It's like, man, you know, if you if you did slightly better in like one race, you go from like group A to group X, or maybe you overqualify and stuff like that. I remember um when Zinu was like, Yeah, you you've overqualified, but like if you'd have came like two minutes worse in this race, you'd have probably been in group X instead. It was oh shit. You know, so it was, it was a close punch um for those races. But it was, you know, it was super fun to watch because of that though. You know, you don't really the know. Hype. The uh, hype you, was you had real. no idea who was gonna win those matches because it was real close. Um and that was awesome, you know, some real awesome matches to watch during scrubs. Um, which we can expect from the, from season three as well. So um I guess to to reel through the, the champions of season two, technically the, the champions to beat in going into season three for group X we have Mr. Carp. Group S, we had Jirexo, as we have a dumpster Daredevil. Um, <laughs> group A, we had Tiris. Uh, group B, uh, Incoherent. Group C is Lefty. And Group D is Afterlife. So, um, you know, good. Some, for, for some very well known names uh, in those groups. I, I think, you know, I've heard of all of those. Um, Tiris, as we've mentioned, is, is one of your, your multi world partner, right, Emo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, coming leaps and bounds in terms of their skill level as well, so... Looking uh, like one of my team's co-op uh, rival teams, too. Ah. Uh, I'm in one shot. Well, if they team up with Jiraxxon, they'll, they'll dance to some more people, that sounds it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I guess that brings us nicely onto Season 3. And, you know, you three are way more involved in... Um, the organization and you know and, you know and now as members of staff uh for scrub so that's awesome um it kicked off with live qual on july 31st we, we used the na and eu weeklies that weekend as the qualifiers which is really cool and 101 people 
Yeah, yep. the, the, all of the qualifiers have been like pretty stacked, which is which has been really cool. Uh, 15 live quals plus uh, seven offline qualifiers for people to download and join and to race at their leisure. And live, the the last qualifier is tomorrow of recording. Of course, when you've, you're hearing this uh, on the podcast, it'll have been about three to four days ago at this stage. But yeah, it's tomorrow. Um, so that's going to be super hype seeing people get that last qual under their belts. Um, and yeah, it's been a success, as you say. With there's been tons of people joining. Um, I did well in a race, which surprised me. So that's that's cool. Uh, shame that point. Shame that one's going to get dumped as my top race, and no one's going <laughs> to ever see those points. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, you know to, to to discuss season three, as we say, um, you're all involved in the Scrub Central now as as as, uh, as, as staff. So what what pushed you towards? You know, jumping on staff and you know what your dreams as staff members, I guess. Hmm. Not an easy question. Good. Sometimes the hard questions come out of the Gothstone podcast, Felix, and you'd be prepared. <laughs> uh, what well, I mean to start off, so there's two teams within staff on Scrub Central. There's the community team that handles general discord and community stuff but the three of us are all member of the tournament team to put on the s3 tournament and i wasn't interested in joining the discord team i solely want to join the tournament team just because uh i think the scrubs tournament is a great place a great thing to have in the uter community just for people to uh feel welcome as newer runners and to get experience and to have fun playing and uh I wanted to help put that on and try and be in those discussions, figuring out what settings to use for uh, scrubs, because it's much harder trying to figure out what new runners can and can't do and what makes you know seeds completable in a reasonable amount of time, where you don't have the same concerns if you design a term for like top 32 runners, Felix and Devin. <laughs> These jabs all the time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Always getting jabbed. Is it a jab? Is it a jab to be top of the table? You could argue it's a jab. Then you could also say, damn, you're so much better than me. <laughs> it's technically uh, self-depreciation, you know? It's a sub-jab. Um, yeah. I'm there to be that guy that just causes shit in the debates by just bringing up <laughs> ideas that don't make any sense and then explaining why they don't make any sense, but trying to guide towards an answer that I think makes more sense. But I'm so, that guy who just brings up the nonsensical things. So Felix is the dank meme. Right, I see. That <laughs> well, not always. That explains so much. Mm -hmm. I'm doing one who's just like, oh yeah, let's just do like seven big pose when we're talking about reducing chickens. Or, like, <laughs> oh, well, well, well if, emo, like if, if Emo's involved in that conversation, you'll have, his, you'll have their backing. So uh, Seven is mm -hmm. not enough for Emo. Yeah, no, yeah. not enough, Zero, but it's a, it's a start. It's a Zero step in the right and actually adds value to child cack. I'd be a fan of zero. Child mm -hmm. cack doesn't need value. Just like, oh yeah, open has enough value. Mm -hmm. Are we opening or closing Deku? Just like exclude all of it. It's like I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> we can't start with Deku pre-cleared, like with lens. <laughs> <laughs> so get your Deku starter pack, and that's done. I think that leaves me. I guess. Mm -hmm. So. Um, as I said multiple times, being a player back in season two and just like 
hanging around people, making some great friends and just meeting awesome people in general. Um, just like going into the tournament team and help out getting that thing on the way that actually made me what I am today. That's probably my biggest motivation to do it. And I also bring a little bit of um a little bit of tournament experience as a player. I've played competitive card games for like a good chunk of my life, almost half of my life. So I just know like I know a couple things and well I thought I would be able to bring this to the team. I think that's pretty much it. So yeah, I guess that takes us into and uh Goldfish, you you touched upon this one and I think it's an interesting question. Um obviously when it comes to the settings for season three, not I guess not just season three, but just the settings for scrubs, one of the I imagine one of the more challenging things was the fact that season four of the main tournament was somewhat unique in terms of, you know, it did kind of break the mold a little bit, added a few settings that no one had ever thought of or heard of. And um, at the time, the weeklies were sort of going through a little bit of a rotation in terms of settings. Um, So what was it like trying to come up with season three scrub settings with such a sort of wild west uh weekly setting as uh, i guess if you like you know with them they're constantly being changed and nothing sort of being yeah. finalized mm-hmm. god that was difficult because the first yeah. two seasons we like we based ourselves off weekly settings so just like okay we'll make the weekly settings easier but just like oh god there's no weekly base to go off of and like season four was i think we, I don't think we wanted to base it off season four just because uh, there there are a few things that like we thought just wasn't great for scrubs. Like okay, yeah. we're opening Ganon's like two medallion bridge and we're like that basically be really difficult on low health or just there's a lot of things that come into mind when you uh look at season four settings that way and just like we just had to pretty much go through a lot of settings and be like, okay, do we want this? Do we like do you want to introduce them to this? They're just like, okay, so we went through random spawns and overworld age. It just said like, well, everyone's doing it now, so it might as well just like introduce them to it here and maybe make it easier somewhat with open Deku and just give them something to fall back on when they don't know what to route. Mm. One of the biggest issues, I think, was bridge. Ah, <laughs> uh, one of the biggest issues of all times. Yep. Because we had like we have season four with two, we have like the weeklies who are trying out four, and we just don't know. Because like, what are we bidding, what are we basing ourselves on? It's like, we want to try maybe a six med bridge, and that was one of the biggest discussions along with Deku Tree. It's just like, where, what do we want to do with the bridge? Because mm-hmm. it didn't feel at the time like we could just resort to using weekly because weeklies were up in the air. Yeah, I remember someday on bridge, but I very much remember the Deku Tree debate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because you go back S3, and before was open Deku. Uh, S4, they closed Deku again. And then weeklies was bouncing back and forth. Like every setting string was open versus closed Deku. You never knew. And we're just sitting there. It's like, what are we doing with Tree? Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh not really a, a scrub specific thing but i think you know as as someone that was on the season four organization team the deku tree was a real tough one right because the idea was 
closing it meant that the openers would be different and there'd be, you know, you wouldn't always rush Decutry every time. But there was potentially a little bit of a, not lapse in judgment, but not enough thought around the fact that we've just essentially added an extra item to find, right? And mm. on its own, that was okay. But the fact that we'd also changed the bridge setting meant that not only would you have to find Kakiri Sword, you'd potentially have to find Strength 3 earlier because it became a lot more relevant. So in essence, we added two more items to find every seed. Mm. And, you know, it, I, I still really enjoy Season 4. Um, it You know, it's always going to be a success in my mind, but I definitely recognize and uh, appreciate the fact that there was... A l probably not enough consideration around the fact that we've just added two new items to the pool. Um, so Decutry specifically is a tough one because I I will always prefer closed Deku as a setting, but I also completely understand and you know empathize with anyone that keeps it open. I mean, in co-op, we're opening it as well um, because it's not only is it just you know there's one less item to find. It is just a little bit of natural early routing there's nothing wrong with having a goal for the early sort of 20 30 minutes right if that goal is okay i need to route around and finish deku tree as sort of my first goal and then we'll see how we get on there's nothing wrong with having that target for the start of every seed even if you do it differently just having that one thing that you can focus on and know that all right well deku tree is going to be open i could go do deku tree maybe i'll find that it's barren but ultimately that's something I can pinpoint my early game on and then base it around that. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's, a, it's always going to be an interesting discussion. And I think now that something, now that there has been season four, which had closed Deku, it's always going to be a bit of a question around the next sort of tournaments and weeklies and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, I empathize with anyone that chooses to keep it open. And I think, for for new players, as you say, just giving them that sense of direction, I think is probably the the smarter thing to do. Yeah, open deck is like uh, you know just licking powdered sugar. It's like it's great. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you want to do it? Uh, and I think the one thing we had with us for as well, just like you add two more items and then you nerf the hints, like just even a little, and that was felt yeah. so very much throughout the seeds. Because like strength three becomes required like a an insane amount of time. Like I think there was some some statistics made just like about twenty five thousand logged in just like oh yeah strength three is required in like a third of seeds. Wasn't and it like Ganon's cast is like way of the hero in over fifty percent of the seeds or something. Yeah, like Ganon's way of the hero in like sixty percent of seeds and strength three is required like one third of the time. It's just insane. So we had like. It's not only balancing Deku, but balancing Ganon's castle as well. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. Ganon's is actually crazy. It's like 14 items, two keys. Just like, how do we introduce such an area to the game that's better than any other dungeon? And just try to make it balanced. Yeah, I think overall, uh, you know, season three settings would have been pretty good, pretty successful. Um, from from your perspectives, you know, have you been happy with how season three has been going? You know, has there been much feedback in terms of, oh, well, we didn't like these sayings, or we didn't like this, or this could have been done better? And how, you know, if have you participated? And if you participated, how have you been doing? I, for the life calls I've done, I really liked them. I just I forfeit one because I ended up just like playing like shit. 
But for the quality of them, I've been pretty happy about the settings. It's just Scrubs is pretty much my preferred race settings because I just don't want to deal with 40 and 50 skulls, like 1500 or whatever. But I just don't want to deal with high amounts of skulls because it's just tedious for me. But I really like just casually racing. It's like coming in and dumpstering on some poor <laughs> scrubs every every other race. Oh, Felix is here. Felix came first by 30 minutes. That's not even I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> stumped in the scrubs races too. There's always like either Karyosa finishing ahead of me by 10 minutes or like Goomba jumps in. Or like, there's always some other top runner that comes in and destroys me. Yeah. I think Ryu done every race. No, no, but I no. have done. I have done thirteen of them. Yeah, sorry, I, I got confused. It's you that's done pretty much every race. I think Icola has joined every live qual. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we, Jimbo uh, as well, maybe. Is Jimbo no, Jimbo's Jimbo missed, missed a couple recent ones, but he was. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was him and Icola for the longest time as the only two. But I think Jimbo has missed one for IRL and. Has been volunteering for the last couple, so he's missing them. But I think Guy Cola still has made every single live call. <laughs> yeah, they're mostly Maybe. just at bad times for me, but uh, I did well in one, and then I think I forfeited the other one just because I was like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, had a very long string of unsuccessful offline ASICs, but then I did Wednesday's live call and came third. And it's probably the best race I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. The, logic, the logic was so batshit insane. And I just happened to work it out. I was like, oh, this means this. And it turns out that that just was just really good. And I made the right decisions and I won, which never happens. I always make the wrong decisions. So <laughs> finishing third, beating Ryu and beating a few other people, I was like, holy shit, what has, what has happened? But that'll never happen again. And like I said, because the first place score gets nuked, Goodbye, that qual from my standings. But no, mm. that was that was super fun. I I've enjoyed the scrub settings. Um, it's been nice having four meds for Ganons. I I think I do prefer that from two because um, I'm a big advocate of doing Ganons Castle and wanting it back into the fold. But I definitely agree that four was was better than two. Um, I I still dislike open Deku Tree just again because it's like to me it's just default. I don't like. I've got nothing wrong with people focusing on a thing to do, but it's always in the back of my mind is, oh, I've got to go and do Deku Tree. And if I don't go and do Deku Tree, then I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot. Um, But (laughs) then you're five minute out of the scroller. Yeah, exactly. So you you know you you go and do Deku Tree, you find nothing, you find it's a stone, then you find it's barren and wasn't required. You're like, all right, well, it was six minutes of my (laughs) life down the drain, but whatever, I had to do it because it's open, right? Yeah, and you know, like no one else is skipping it, or if they're skipping it, they're crazy. Exactly. So it's for me, I dislike that particular aspect of of uh, scrubs, but. Everything mm-hmm. else has been good. You know, I, I I really like skulls, but I'm also perfectly fine to say, you know what, for a little while, I don't mind not needing to worry about 40 to 50 skulls. 30 is fine, and it's hinted. And if I do need 20, no worries. You know, I can farm that up nice and quick. So, yep. yeah, I think the settings have been good. I've enjoyed starting with Lens. Um, and, yeah, I think it's been a, a good a good set of settings. I've, I have enjoyed myself. Yeah, can't talk about the offlines much, of course, but it's they, they've been a lot of work in the background as well. Oh yeah, yep. I won't mention anything to do with the offline quals, but I will say one of them was a fucking monster. 
<laughs> at least that's, all, that's all I can safely say because I don't want to go into details. But Jesus yeah. H Christ was one of the, the worst seed I've ever done in my fucking life. Yeah, by, by the time this episode is out, most people won't be able to request offlines anymore. Yeah, so. yep. yeah, you can't request them anymore. They'll be, but if people do want to go and do them after after that, I won't go into details. So yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, yeah the. Quals will close up soon, but the seeds will be available if people want to run them after the time limit has passed. Yeah, just I'll, for funds. I'll grab the other two. I did five offlines. I'll grab uh, the other two that I didn't do so that I can see just how well I would have done on those seeds instead of the garbage that I got handed instead. Um, <laughs> and regret everything when I realized that I would have probably overqualified again and I'm actually dumped into group D because I got some real shit. Some real stinkers um, <laughs> of, of offline seeds, but hey, hey ho, we'll see how we get on, which should be quite soon in terms of reveals. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, I guess you know we've already touched upon like why people join the races and whatnot. Um, do you want to share any information regarding the upcoming brackets? Is there anything you can give us, or is that all a bit of a mystery for now? Obviously, with with season two expanding to six groups of eight instead of four from season one, you know, is there any any little sneak peeks you can give us, or is it tightly under wraps? As as of this date, that meeting has not been had, and we are not looking forward to it because it <laughs> it, it is going to be a long meeting determining yeah. a lot of things because we still don't know about like number of groups or members, so it's. Really yeah, we have two meetings now. scheduled to go over this stuff. So yeah. at this moment, the three of us don't know. Well, I could like um just say what I'm thinking about it, what might happen or might not happen. Um with having six group last se- six groups last season, um it was rough in terms of like from what I heard in terms of staff and like all the work and all the volunteers and stuff. So I would assume at this point that we're trying to not go over six groups because I don't think that's humanly possible to manage. Um, But like with how many people are interested in playing, I think like the overall participants numbers just has doubled from last season. It's not. It's crazy how popular this format is. I was going to ask how many individual runners you'd had at this stage i think it's actually pretty much double from last is like 90 Ah. times two so 180 we have have had like 220 something do at least one qual yeah and i think we're about 150 who've done enough to qualify yep not counting forfeits we haven't yeah calculated points yet but we just have we have a way to calculate how many races people have done and there's a lot yeah (laughs) that's like we cannot, we, we, I don't think we can go below six groups because there's just too many people interested. Yeah. But also going higher is not feasible. So, like, that's we my... can't say anything at this point. Yeah. There's we a can, meeting coming yeah, we up can... where we are going to determine this, but at this point, nothing has been determined yet. Yes, yeah. very true. To quantify that, by the way, for Season 3 of the main tournament, there was 232 entrants. So, so to say that Season 3 of the Scrubs tournament has got around... The same number of entrants that at least participated in one actually race sick. is a uh, pretty wild. So you know, I guess I guess congrats because it's it's clearly got massive appeal, and the fact that it's only growing means that you're all doing a really good job of 
um, you know, keeping that going and keeping the interest there. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's super cool that it's, it is just becoming this bigger and bigger thing. doesn't mean that you probably need a few extra members of staff, but ultimately it means that it's popular and that's really good. I think the most hype race for OT I've done was Scrubs S1 qualifier where we topped 100 people. Mm-hmm. I was I was like shaking as the races began to start. It's like, mm-hmm. I did not expect yeah. this to get this many people, even as a staff, like hoping for the like big numbers. Hopefully yeah. race time handled it because I know it didn't handle the... Oh, yeah, I think there was some <laughs> issues, but... I started the race 20 seconds late because race time froze. 20 seconds is nothing. 20 <laughs> yeah. seconds is fine. When the like whole re- service <laughs> falls over during the uh, mm-hmm. opening call of season four, now that was that was a treat. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. I'm just sitting here like, wait, did race time freeze? Okay, let's refresh on my browser. Take some time. Oh, the race started 20 seconds ago. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one thing when you're like races with a hundred something runners. It's just insane, but it's hype as all. Uh. Yeah, especially, especially with all the time we spent like planning it to see that many people show up and want to try it and support Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels rewarding in a way. Feels like, great. Yeah, it's actually a massive payoff for like yeah. all the work we put in that people just show us that much love and interest. That's amazing to see. Yeah, and I think the reception's been really good. Uh, so that is awesome. I know there's been a couple of... Uh, a couple of spicy announcements due to people thinking it's a plando, but ultimately, <laughs> ultimately uh, as, as much as I will meme about plandos and stuff, we, we, we must reiterate that, of course, all of these seeds are randomly generated and there is no yeah. bias towards the difficulty levels in them. They are all 100 Yeah, the random. plando memes came from back in season two, I think, where we had like the discord channel like the uh, offline request channel where people could like request the offline races and then people would start posting memes with like i think the first one was like i have once again uh, requested an offline plant or something mm-hmm. that's when it all started like oh i remember yeah i was, was there like, I there was there's so many spicy memes like posted to this day and like you can like i think we actually use the like re- reuse the old channel from last season so you can actually scroll through it and see all the memes and all the glory um, but as Jim pointed out, very important disclaimer, every seed has been truly randomized and rolled fairly. Like, there's no planned or shenanigans going on. I can guarantee you that. Just because the bot hates everyone doesn't mean they're plandos. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the RNG just creates the best plandos. There's yeah. no way around that. And also, like, it wouldn't even be humanly possible to create this many plandos yeah, in that, that short amount of time. The draft plan, though, is like people used to race. Just like, oh yeah, you get to choose one item and place it somewhere, and no matter what, it is always the generator, the generator who would have the best item placement. Yep. Never a human. The generator just is too evil to understand. Ends on wasteland, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I've not seen that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need an RSL version of that now. Just you can do the same thing. Uh, okay, fire BK on Morpho. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh god, I've had enough dreadful placements in RSL to know that the bot is perfectly competent, competent of generating the worst seeds. Uh, the bot will just pick Oko, and everyone will laugh. 
No, the bot will place the fucking first bow in Forest Temple on the bow chest. Oh, what yeah. you need to do is try oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, I've seen it before. <laughs> it's my first ever RSL race. So Ew. needless needless to say, I forfeited because I had no fucking idea that you could push those blocks as a child. Um, <laughs> I had that in an MQ Forest once. That was cool too. Nice. Yikes. So moving on to more of a community thing than a tournament thing. Um Scrubs as a place of learning, of course. It's not just a not just a playground, it is also a school. Yeah. Um so you know, in terms of you know, having having newer members and essentially be not respond. I don't think responsible is the right word, but sort of being obligated to make sure that newer runners know what they're doing and you know helping them out. Um, how how does that happen? You know, how does the community come to work together to sort of help everyone improve? And sort of what what is the strategy? I guess. And I know I know you're more of a tournament team than a, a Discord community team, but. You know what? What is the ethos of these scrubs in that regard? Uh that is fairly that's good question. But generally, like, we keep it a lot to the runners. A lot of the time, it's just like, okay, we'll leave some comments on the Twitch chat sometimes. Like, if they want to watch back, watch. Like, okay, you could do this better at like this place, like or, like mini strats. But in the Discord itself, we often leave it up to the runners to just like if they have if they have questions, we'll answer them. But we generally don't reach out a lot because it's difficult to reach out to like everyone individually that we would love to reach out to. We've like, there was a genesis of it, like co- some kind of coach program, but that never really took off. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is, that is staff intensive and it's just very difficult with like the growing community as well. So a lot of times we just rely on the runners to ask when they need help we have several channels we're just like okay you're asking for ot just like make sure we want to keep it open for questions for sure and we have people constantly online just like ready to answer questions it's just it really needs to come from the runners because Mm. we can't deal with everyone yeah and i guess you don't want to feel too obligated like because you could be overly aggressive, be like, "Hey, we watched your stream, and here's here's ten things you could do better, right?" And not everyone yeah. wants to be better, or not everyone is interested yeah. in like learning B one skip or learning Mido skip. And some people just want to have a laugh and play the game. So you do need to be a little bit cautious of just how in depth you yeah. teach people. So people yeah, have yeah. different goals, different time availabilities, and how much time they want to put into this game. And I mean, we can't just teach everything immediately like with the amount of stuff that's known about ot like to do a comprehensive video like the 101 otr like that's like a full day long video yeah if not two days like there's just so much about this game that and every runner's going to have different knowledge and different experiences and different challenges with different tricks like some people might have an easy time learning Mito skip and a hard time learning B1 flip flop for other runners and every trick under the sun, people are going to find some easy, some hard. And, you know, it's kind of just, we leave it open for the runners to ask questions. We, you know, have the, uh, system in place to help them, but it's up to them of when they want help, how they want, what they need help with, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is also an intimidation factor, right? Of 
okay, well, in order to get better, you need to learn these 10 really difficult looking tricks, you know? And if, if someone approached me in season three, it's like, hey, we're turning FAE on. So here's, here's how to do FAE. <laughs> then I would have told God. them to take a long walk or walk off a short pier. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you, 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 thanks, thanks to the Multi World Tournament, by the way, for forcing you to learn that. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I think it's, as, as you mentioned, it's just letting people discover things for themselves, seek their own help. And yeah, um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's the, 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 the right way of doing it. The community, like every everyone, regardless of runner being runner or being organizer, like everyone is just really helpful in general. Like there's like usually like there's a lot of reactions to people like having questions or asking for tricks or some or explanations stuff like that. And it's more like in order to be able to um like keep everyone supplied with the help they need, we kind of well help people to help each other, kind of. Mm. And like a lot of times, I can tell you how to do a trick. I can tell you how to do lensless baseline. Yeah, like turn right at the box after you like roll a few times, don't go past the second line. But just if you don't do it in the game, you're not like really learning it. It's just I find that a lot of people just I was like, if you want to learn lensless wasteland, I will say it's like just go into the practice room, look at where the collision is, and find your own like kind of. Path. Yeah, find your own path and just find your own like landmarks where you want to like do some turns and stuff. Because a lot of people will learn better by themselves and like know themselves better than anyone. Yeah. So can just teach themselves like okay, so yeah, I can get to the box from here and like wow, this is great, I can do it. But, and I, I, th mm -hmm. I think there's also a different level of of practice, right? Because yeah, there's something I read recently which I, I was like, man, that's that's so relevant to rando. It's don't practice until you can do something once. Practice until you stop failing it, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you if you practice and you get you know, lensless wasteland and you're like, oh awesome, I've done lensless wasteland, cool, next trick. Sure, you did it once, but you haven't actually driven that practice in, right? It's yep. until you do something like 20, 30 times in a row and you don't fail it 20 and 30 times in a row. You're like, right, I've done it loads of times. I now don't fail when I try and do this. Now I've actually learned it. And I think there's that is definitely a mistake that some people, including me, have made before. I've done something like maybe three or four times. I've been successful three out of those four times. I'm like, cool, well, I know how to do this. And then in a live race, I'll be like, wait, how the fuck did I do that again? Yeah. And then I'll completely <laughs> mess it up. I'll try and throw some bomb juice in the Dorongo's eyes and be like, well, that missed by like three miles. So <laughs> guess I'm not doing short Dorongo's cavern today. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to rando, there's different stages of learning tricks. Like the first step is learning like the movement or the setup or the concept so that you understand how to do it. There's the being able to like just do it once so that you know that you can do it. At that point, like when I'm learning tricks, sometimes I'll like pull those out in a race. Like I don't expect to get it first try, like doing B1 skip or like mm. hoverless water BK chest or things like that. It's just like but I'm still going to practice it because this is a. I'm not going to win this race. I'll just take this time to practice, and maybe later I'll sit down and like do a few more reps. But it's not fun to sit down for like hours repping through B1. Mm -hmm. That gets boring real fast. But yeah, being able you get to the point where you can start looping into your races, and then there's a point where you can actually do it. It might take you five tries, but you're you can do it in a race and you'll get it. And then there's a point where you get where you just do it automatically and fail 
once in like 10 seeds. Yeah, I think with like selecting, with us selecting the runners from the bottom up, I think like, like you don't need to do exceptionally well in quals, right? So like the qualifiers can be like kind of your um, place where you can just practice some tricks for like like if you don't get them first try as goldfish said just like you don't worry about it you just like do them a couple times so like you know you can actually do them with like in an actual race but mm-hmm. i think going forward into brackets you probably should be able to do these tricks like nine times out of ten yeah uh, i mean i guess there's a big difference between uh i guess I don't want to say scrubs are like the main tournament. It's a, a weird comparison, but just, you know, execution-based runners and non-execution-based runners, right? Execution-based runners have put in the practice of these tricks and they can nail them every single time and you know, do them not even 9 out of 10. 10 out of 10 times they'll get these tricks done. Mm-hmm. But if, you're, if you've not put in that practice and you've... And, you know, that can be many reasons. You either don't have the time, don't have the patience, or just don't want to commit to throwing tons of hours into this, uh, this sort of thing. Then you are going to get things wrong every once in a while, and you know, and, and a few, you know, five races out of ten, you're not going to be able to do B one skip first try and do lose some time, and that's that is essentially a big difference between you know those that do well and those that don't. Sometimes you, you can route exactly the same as the runner that did that that one, you know, you could route identically, but you missed a few tricks and had to do them two or three times, and you end up losing four or five minutes just because of that. Um, mm. And you know, I think it's. Uh, there's nothing wrong with not uh, putting tens of hours into practice, by the way, just, I guess, to throw that out there. Um, but ultimately, if you do want to improve, that's one of the key factors, you know, is, is getting yourself in there and getting those tricks done and um, being the consistency level is, uh, is what drives drives the, the, the runners to those higher placements. Mm-hmm. And even just simple things like proper backwalks and just... Even a little idea of what roll timing looks like. Yeah, roll gets a long way. For sure. So, so much overworld movement in OOT that knowing tricks is helpful, like some of the major tricks to skip item requirements. Like you don't want to have to do AD for Sari's song to get forest. But mm. a lot of the time saves, once you get some of the base tricks that you need to skip item requirements, is just uh, overworld movement because it's just such a big part of time. Yeah, yep. you you don't realize that the ten seconds you've lost not doing, you know, not getting to the Kakiri sword chest optimally adds up, and that every ten seconds you lose actually equates to about five minutes or ten minutes or something like that. You can lose so much time just with suboptimal movement, and you don't re- you don't realize it because it's only like a second or two here or there. But there are so many here or there's in a four hour scene piles up that like it just crazy, builds yeah. up and builds up and builds up. You're like, wait a minute, you know. It's uh, it's, it's pretty wild, but you know, there's there's lots to learn, and I guess again, that is the whole point of Scrubs. You know, it's it's telling these, telling people these things, and offering them advice, and uh, giving them environments to learn. So, I guess in terms of that environment, and I do have a little, little bit of not a hot take, but I guess I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit on this one. So, tournaments and qualification races, you know, in in terms of their being valuable to to new players and whatnot. Um, how valuable do you think the tournaments are to to new runners? You know, and 
do you think that, that this is the way that they should learn, you know, with, with jumping straight into these things and then one-on-ones, do you think that there's a better environment to learn or is this like, is it, is this your ideal sort of training ground, would you say? Hmm. That's a good one. That's a really good question. Let's see. I think giving people some kind of tournament, something to work towards, or like maybe not even a personal goal, but like, okay, you can work towards maybe the, I want to make round two of this bracket. So like even just, okay, get some, or like just giving them a goal, giving them a, like a potential opponent, just giving them something to work against, work towards. So that's just the motivation people need to get that work in. Because just like, okay, going on your computer, practicing tricks for 10 hours isn't really fun. But just like even spending 15 minutes that you know, like you spend 15 minutes on one skip, like, okay, you can get it pretty consistently. You're just like, okay, maybe this can be useful with my next bracket match or this can be useful in my next tournament match. Just giving some kind of motivation there. That's not just, okay, you can improve, but okay, like you're improving compared to what? Just giving something to compare to, even even if it's even if it's just a one v one, can be a a pretty great experience. Yeah, seeing like the brackets like as checkpoints or milestones, if you will, just like having that point to work towards. Like I remember from back in season two when I played Jarexa for the second time in Grand Finals, I lost the first time around. So I actually rewatched the VOD of the restream and tried to like grasp of what what was Jarexa doing. And I noticed that there was one difference that stood out to me was that he was able to do unbuffered B1 skip and I still did it buffered. So I sat down and just learned unbuffered B1 skip until I got it. <laughs> like you, you you can like kind of look at your opponent, what like they are going to do and use that as a guideline to see what you're lacking potentially. Mm-hmm. But you also have like a point to work towards. So like, you know, like, okay, and like now I have like a specific short-term goal that I can work towards. And if I go past that, if I succeed there, like I can just take the next step. So you just take it step by step, basically. And I mean, if you're racing Randall, you have some sort of competitive drive. Yeah. Um, and for scrubs, like you can join weekly races and if you know all the tricks and can do 50 skulls and 1500 and all that stuff, then cool. But like, it's a lot more fun and compelling for someone to, uh, my goal is to win this one V one against the person I'm somewhat evenly matched with instead of my goal is to be in go mode by the time Kariosa finishes the weekly or <laughs> <laughs> only lose by 15 minutes Kariosa or finish in the top 20 of weekly. Like their goals, but, and you know, they, it helps you get better, but it's a lot more satisfying to, you know, have the goal of winning a race instead of hitting go yeah, mode. Bottom five. Yeah. 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 <laughs> also, there's, sorry. Good. No, I was going to say, I, I'm I'm glad you mentioned this, because this does bring me on to my sort of devil's advocate question of, of sorts. And I've I've mentioned this before. I've not complained about it before, but I've mentioned this before. And I know Xenu uh, was someone who immediately shut this down, but it's, it, it, I kind of have this opinion. Do you think that with, you know, with the qualifiers and whatnot, do you think that Top runners entering qualifiers is a hindrance or is it a positive thing? And why? 
It's that's a really hard question because I think it's both. Yeah, it's like a curse and a blessing at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it can feel terrible. Like, if you're a newer runner and you're just like, okay, let's, let's try to run the Scrubs tournament qualifiers, and you see, like, all those top runners finish two hours ahead of you, and it's, like, it feels bad. Like, God, I'm, like, I'm bad at this. And just, like, I... And it, it just feels terrible to see, like... Because... I don't know. I, I like... I think I still remember when I first started out, like getting bottom five in weeklies and just seeing people were like, well, how did I lose by an hour and a half? Like I made some good choices here and just don't understand. So I like, it can be a, a curse in that way, but I think in some way there's also like the, you can look up at the higher runners and be like, okay, like that can be a goal I want to do some there. Like that can be some kind of goal I want to reach. It's just, maybe I can sub for a seed and be like, just give your, giving yourself goals and like maybe looking up to trying to be competitive and just that's it like if you're racing already you're trying to be competitive or like you're trying out competitive stuff and generally like okay you can look up to something you can look up to someone like i want to be there someday or i want to be able to go against them someday it's just both like a, it's a blessing and a curse like really both do you think it's and a I'll, blessing enough to? Because I'll I'll throw my opinion out there, just I guess just for food mm-hmm. for thought. So my opinion on top runners entering scrubs races is, and from from my individual perspective, I I join these races because I'm not I'm not and I will never be a top runner. But mm-hmm. these the these sorts of races are like people of around my skill level, right? There are people that join these that are around my skill level, you know, and I'm going to throw my skill level, you know, loosely. I'm going to throw it loosely in, like, Group S. You know, Group S of Season 2 or something like that is around my skill level, I'd say. So okay. I join these races, and I'm like, okay, this is, this is a, you know, it's a scrubs race, and it's something that I could theoretically, if none of the top runners joined, I might have a chance of winning. Now I'm never going to win a weekly because I'm I'm I don't have the time or energy or effort to put into constantly practicing and getting better at the game and I've I've accepted that and that's not a problem. But when it comes to scrubs, I'm like, you know what? This is you know it's it's a it's a load of people around my level. I think that I actually might have a chance of winning a race. And for someone who is never going to win a race otherwise, it's disheartening when you're sitting there like you know and there is 30 or 40 people around your level and then all of a sudden it's like oh sponge has joined so oh so <laughs> for me and you know and it just might very much just be a me thing maybe a little selfish it's i know that i i now can't win this race you know and i won't get a, a race win because it's just well someone has joined who's infinitely better than me and i know they're going to finish regardless of if i if they full clear the seed and I don't, they're probably still going to full clear faster than I do. So for me, it just takes away that enjoyment of, you know, potentially winning something. Because as, as, as you said, uh, Goldfish, the idea of joining a race means that I'm innately competitive and I like to win. You know, I do like to win. It's, <laughs> it's in my nature. I don't do it a lot, that's for sure. But when it, when it happens, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck, you know, I came third on Wednesday. I was so, so happy. I was like, third, that's so cool. And ironically, that race had someone like Ryu Kane in it, and I was like, well, I'm not going to win because Ryu's in it. And the, ironically, they forfeited. 
Mm-hmm. But just you know, that's that's my opinion on it. And I, I I don't know if that's a shared opinion of with anyone. I don't know if anyone else has that. But my personal opinion um, on that is is that it it kind of disappoints me a little when the races are specifically aimed at lower lower skilled runners, but there's not like you know that that sort of um that benchmark as i've remembered the word this time that benchmark yeah. isn't there so anyone can join and it just means that you know those are people that just want to race and you know I, i'm going to be cynical maybe get a free win because they are like someone like uh you know cola or sponge or Ryu or whatever that you know that that, that, that is going to win races more often than not and i'm just like oh well i i guess i'll settle with top five now instead or something like that do you know what do you know what i'm saying yeah i i understand your argument but the problem is it almost kind of comes down to necessary evil that yes you want to win but and the thing is where do you draw a cutoff who's too good to join a scrubs call because yeah. you could draw that line anywhere from top 32. You could draw it to Challenge Cup. You could draw it to runners who've been around for a while. Like, mm-hmm. Chimp, you, you may not be above that line. It's hard to say definitively where the line of too good for scrubs is. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the other point yeah. is, yeah. is in brackets, we want you to be up against people of your skill level. Because like winning is good, but also being part competitive is good to have good competition like just curb stomping people left and right in five races winning a tournament like it's not as satisfying as being in a close race yeah of course and the way that top runners being in the quals helps us have a point system that accurately evaluates everyone's skill level to sort them properly into groups no it doesn't feel great in the races that as a scrub, you don't have a chance of winning, but it helps so that when you get into brackets, you have a chance to win, but you also still have that chance to lose. Mm. And the other point too, is just like, I went through champ, I'd like it to win. But at that point too, do group teach runners still have that chance of winning or are they still, you know, stuck there? Like, Oh, chimps joined this race. I can't win. Oh man! If, I, if I ever get that sort of aura where someone's like, "Oh shit, chimps joined," oh, oh, that's when you know something's gone wrong. Yeah, I used to like when I would get bottom five in weeklies. I used to look up to every single name because I was like, I was not, I was pretty much just unknown to the community, just like there, like, oh, I'm watching Marco finish first. It's like, oh wow, I could like, I don't understand how, but like, what that's amazing. Just like. Every single runner who finished before and be like, wow, that's amazing. And just like, but every single one of these runners, I could just feel like it's a potential goal to beat at this point. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. And ultimately, I, you know, I I started this conversation knowing that I didn't actually have a solution and, uh, you know, it's just more just, yeah, it's a nice fantasy, but unfortunately, reality (laughs) just doesn't work out. And, you know, for the people that join Scrubs and while well, it's disheartening that you can't win, we're sorry, but it helps for brackets that you can have a fair competition. Yeah. <laughs> it's a necessary evil, is really what it comes down to. And that there's not a clean way to determine who's good or too good for quals. Yeah. My personal experience with like um more experienced runners 
entering the fray, entering a race, which is like, um, honestly, I'm probably inferior to like everyone within Challenge Cup just because, like, just in terms of execution, in routing, probably not so much, but in terms of execution, I am. But like, I see everyone joining the race who is better than me as like an opportunity to be like, like, it really gets me hyped. It's like, today might be the day I beat that person, right? That's kind of how I look at it. And like that gets me really excited. Um, one tip I have for people who like easily get discouraged from from other people finishing in a race. That's what what I did for the entirety of the scrub season two qualifiers is just hide the race room. Just don't look at the race room until you're like very close to being done. That way you can just like you, you cannot meta game. But like that's not as important as a developing runner. Metagaming is risky and you really need to know what you're doing. <laughs> but like if you hide the race room, like you, like you can just play a seed. Like you can take a seed that like someone finishes in two hours, but you're still going at hour three, but you don't know that anyone finished. So you might be like you might you might have been feeling very good about how you played the, in the seed. So like you kind of keep the momentum and the positive energy going right until the end, and then like maybe once like once the pig is on its on its knees before you deal the final blow, just like open up the race room so you can hit dot done, and then like see like oh there's a couple people finished that's well cool but like it didn't affect me in any way. That's like the biggest thing I could recommend, especially for people who are like easily scared of yeah. well big names winning. Sorry, I laughed throughout because you mentioned metagaming, and obviously I, I can't not think of a certain someone that may have used, <laughs> may have used you, Devin, as a, as a, as a tool yeah. at one point to metagame yeah. and failed absolutely miserably. Quick warning about yeah. metagaming. I know you can hear this, Matt Rose. Do not, tr do not try to metagame off of people you don't know anything about. <laughs> like, everyone everyone who really knows me and i've been i've been doing commentary for a while and i'm i'm very vocal about my distaste for chickens not the meat the meat actually tastes great but like the, the check chickens like i hate that check with a passion i just and, i just i just want to say that that is one of the funniest things i've ever witnessed yeah it's, in it's, my but now almost four years of being involved in the community, that is one of the funniest things I've ever yeah. seen. It's mm. a little bit sad, though, because, well, I probably didn't get known by, like, being a good commentator or being a good runner. It's like, I'm known because of that meme that exists, because of that clip that exists, right? Dad, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, was awesome. Yeah, and I guess one final point back on the topic of higher runners and scrubs quals. Yeah. even though they're there and they're they might be you, they are in a way supporting the scrubs tournament, and they understand that it's for lower runners. And even if they join, a lot of the some of them might just be there because they want to race, but a lot of them support the community and support your growth as a scrub. They want to see you get better and succeed. Yeah, and sure, no, they'll beat you, yeah, but I mean, I mean, you got that in every you. race, right? 
in every race you enter, there's always going to be someone who's better and like even significantly better than you. Like you cannot shake that off. So like better get used to it now, I guess. <laughs> like as early as possible. Get used to the failure. You're gonna experience it a lot. Get used to the experience <laughs> of failure. I mean, it sounds terrible. It really it sounds does. terrible, but it <laughs> is true. Like whatever competition you join in, whatever sport you join in, there's always going to be people who are more experienced than you. And by losing and making mistakes and learning from them, you're going to grow so much more than just like playing a seed by yourself until you're like perfect. Because you, you, I think if you play like all by yourself, you're never going to be like, you're never going to increase in, in like at a rate where like the other people do that race and exchange thoughts and watch people that are better play the game. Right. Yeah, Damn, like I mean, 90% of those higher tier runners, they're, you know, in Discord and text at least, like talking about how they routed the seed and what happened, that they're willing to talk about the route for a little bit, that you can, you know, learn from that or have that resource to yeah. help yourself. And I, I would echo that as a really valuable resource as a whole of if you can get a top runner or not, not necessarily to help you specifically, but if you want to learn how top runners race, watch them. You know, watch what they do and, you know, interact with them on a stream and ask them why they do certain things. And there are a lot of runners that are more than happy to give a lot of advice in terms of, okay, well, I'm going to do this because of this. And if this pays out, I'm going to do that. And if there's bombs here, I'm going to do this and yada, yada, yada. There are a mm -hmm. lot of runners that will specifically be like, okay, well, I will, you know, I'll uh, aim to help runners that might not understand what i'm doing by just talking talking things out and explaining you know why my thought process and stuff like that and that's that's awesome and i definitely recommend um you know i i i won't name i won't be biased and name specific specific people but there are plenty of runners that are more than happy to uh to to give you that advice and again if you just watch them let me interact with their interact with them on twitch and ask them questions as long as you don't often bother them with every single question under the sun then yeah you're you're more than likely going to learn a lot and that's how i learned uh a lot about racing in general is just hanging around in uh my 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 season one friends chats and asking them questions and you know went from there really so definitely a recommendation from me yeah also experienced runners joining the races like gives you a lot of valuable data as a lower tier runner, right? Like, if we prevented the big names from entering the races, like, there's, there's, like, you don't get any, like, source material for from that specific seed. Like, maybe you're interested in how a better player would have done this, but, like, it gives, like, if we prevent that from happening, that's, like, going to slow down the potential growth. Yeah. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Like yeah. I said, it, it was it was a devil's devil's advocate question of sorts because yeah. like whilst I do have an opinion that it is can be detrimental, I do also do think there are massive benefits to it. So, you know, I I do agree with uh, what you guys have been saying about it's it. It's a hard so, subject, but you know, yeah, it's, it totally it's is. make the best of it because they will be there and you know use it to what you can. For sure. Okay, so. I guess I'm, I, I might treat this next section as a bit of a what's 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 the phrase I'm looking for? Quick fire, quick fire questions, right? Yeah. So, okay. I'll 
let's do, we'll we'll pick some, pick up on some bits here that Wayne's wrote down. Um, so I guess to each to each of you, and you might have the same answer. That's fine. But I guess if if you have the same answer, maybe think of a the next one down just to spice things up. So very quickly. Tricks you think people should learn, or what is the, the most fundamental you thing you think people should learn straight off the bat? Are we talking about to... tricks, like tricks in 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 the game, or like just general things as well? Just, well, a, a, a either you know, if you if you okay. think my, if you think Mido skips the most important thing, or if you think uh, you know learning execution and whatnot is uh, is best, then you know go from there. Basic movement. Why do you think basic movement specifically? Knowing where to back walk, knowing where to roll, knowing like, okay, side hopping is like faster here or there, but just like not after us. Like, just knowing like when to move and how to move, like knowing the areas you're moving toward, that you're, you're moving through, knowing the routes through certain dungeons, places, like just movement gets you a lot of knowledge. And knowing good movement through places, just make sure you're never like thinking about your movement while you're playing, and you can think about your routing instead of your movement. Mm -hmm. Yep. Devin? I would say, like, it, this is like a little bit of a meta thing, but I feel like getting your priorities straight is one of the most important things. Like, between all the routing decisions you can take, uh, between, like, when do I do progression, when do I do chase my way of the heroes, when do I go for songs, like, or, like, when... Am I just like doing checks along the way and being efficient? Like knowing when or le learning when to exactly do what and like just like not get distracted all the time by, oh no, I, I can just do this and I can just go like a really long way around. Just like knowing when to chase what kind of thing that you need to do right now to in order to get a faster time. That's probably what I would recommend as the thing that. Though you probably want to start learning that now. Goldfish? Um, I'd say logic. One of where logical progression is, but also of when to break it and when to go back into it. Mm. That with way the hero hints, they provide knowledge, but also being able to go all the way and say, oh, I that way the hero could be sorry a song for Porous Axis. Or that way the hero might be my bomb bag, but I got one out of logic. Or I broke logic because I did hookshot as GTG and got a hammer. My hookshot isn't fire and you find, you know, maybe you find a hookshot on fire. It's like, no, I'm looking for hookshot, not long shot. And that can save you a ton of time and seeds understanding what you have and how you broke logic or when to break logic. Because you can save time by breaking logic, but you can also lose a lot of time. There's an art to breaking logic, and there's an art of when to go back into logic if you break logic. Yeah, I'd agree. Also, on that, on that note oh, specifically, sorry. just to really quick add to what Goldfish said, is knowing, like, using logic as a tool to determine where your next progression is not going to be is really important, too, because that you can save a whole chunk of the game by like for example like this this kind of ties into hookshot and longshot as well like if you can determine where your longshot approximately is that might actually save you from like going over to the gtg area entirely mm. 
Because you both clearing every seed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Wednesday's qual is a good example of that, actually. Was, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. for me, I was like, wow, I can eliminate long shot from like five or six locations. This is awesome. Oh, magic. So, magic is mm -hmm. a big one. Yeah. So you have spirit, water, and like another medallion left to do, and like spirit's long shot locked, then you know not to look in Ganon's castle, which is four medallions for your long shot, for example. Yeah. Yep. Emo, what about you? Two things I would say. Uh, one, I mean, I would say that routing wins races uh, pretty much almost always in, in randomizers. So um, understanding sequencing and what your best sequencing can be in terms of routing, uh, I think a lot of people could benefit from that. Uh, if you just uh, just look at your own performances, your own VODs, and saying, okay, well, how could I have improved on this seat specifically with what I had known at the time? Because uh, that's a huge part uh, about the discovery process of Randomizer. And of course, I play a lot of RSL, so even more so to the bigger extreme. It's more about finding out information, and information in that would be a, the number, number one thing. So it, I would say sequencing, but also... I was talking about this a little bit on my stream earlier in the day, but the best probable play is really good, really important to understand for the settings that you're playing on. So what I mean by that saying like, okay, 95%, what do you think the 95% like best play here in the, is in the situation? And, and knowing which options you even have at that moment, see, I think is uh, one of the most important things to know. Mm. Yeah. Something That's... that ties into that, um, there's something that Felix actually taught me a while back is like, sometimes you're just like really like cracking your nut, trying to like find the best possible play at, at any given moment. But like, sometimes it's just, or like most of the time it's, um, best to just find a play that's good enough for you to do. So you don't like think too much about it and like stand still while waiting, just like commit to something that's like, maybe not perfect, but closer to perfect just so you can keep moving mm -hmm. all right well next one then and i guess is the, the the reverse question um what pitfalls do you think uh new players experience early and uh you know how can they avoid them and this is things like do you think they learn the wrong things do you think they focus on the wrong things and that sort of thing I think the biggest thing I have to say for that is player like newer players learning niche tricks that apply in like one in a hundred seats. Like you, you sometimes learn pixel shot or you learn like hoverless water BK. It's just like useful in like one in ten, one in a hundred, one in a thousand seats. Just get the basics down and like don't worry about the the one check tricks. I would I would actually say that like as a player starting out, you just want to play the game as much as possible to just improve as broadly as you can in terms of movement, in terms of routing. But like, um, except except for like a handful of essential tricks, you shouldn't be like grind like trying to. For example, like I think a good example is like the like the climb in Forest Temple, the block push room, where you can do like fancy little time saves with hover boots and bombs. Like that's something in your run dash approach. The runner should probably not worry about, like trying to like cut minor edges to save like ten seconds here, five seconds there. 
Um, like just improving your routing and movement overall just cuts off more time. And by at some point you will be like you will have improved in your in your overall ability to play the game. That's when you want to consider like, is this trick, is this like shortcut? This like where I cut off the edge, where I cut like five seconds off or two seconds off even. Mm. Is uh, that worth it right now? I have a. It's funny. I've got an actually a really good example of that, which I I see quite a lot, is when newer players try and do the sort of roll you know when in jabu when you lower the platform and you do the jump oh, the slash on the switch yeah you do the box skip right <laughs> and the amount of times i've seen people try the box skip fail it like five or six times which at that point you've already lost time over saving yeah. the trick they'll go into the next room and then they won't use the boomerang to hit the switch immediately they'll start climbing that wall i'm like man that's the priorities there are so backwards. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're going to learn a trick, like, you know, I, I definitely do the other one first. Learn the boomerang strap first yeah, and, then, and then learn the box. Skip, yeah, that, that's actually a a little bit, ties a little bit into like risk versus reward, kind of, or like effort versus payoff. Yeah. Like the ceiling, hitting the ceiling switch and saving the climb, that just saves like several seconds, even like half a no, not probably not half a minute, but like a lot of time a lot more time than like the two seconds it saves to not carry the box around or something uh if you get it first right i think it's like uh four or five seconds yeah four or five but i think like yeah okay but that's reasonable but like failing it once if you're not even like especially if you're not consistent at it just like flat out equals time and then like if you fail it one more time you lose time but like Mm -hmm. the ceiling switch like climbing up there just takes much more than five seconds and it's much easier to do because the box skip is like double frame perfect yeah like payoff and trick difficulty versus trick difficulty that's like what you're looking for and you really want to maximize like at the at the beginning of your career you probably want to maximize on like lower risk versus like maximum reward kind of deal and Devin's calling this a career. I want to know where you're getting paid. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think like my random yeah. salary. <laughs> a good example of like low risk, high payout is just ground jumps. Yes. Because they save time everywhere and they take a few seconds to set up. Yeah. Very easy to learn as well. It's probably mm. the only trick I would say a new runner should learn. Uh, aside from D1 skip and to Haunted Wasteland crossing stuff. It's just not that not that bad really um i would say even as a new runner b1 skip isn't as important if you can get yeah. ground jumps down because you can always just put off uh goma like it's not great when racing but when you're learning the game like using the yeah, slingshot to go around just ground jumping it b1 skip is not an easy trick and it's better to just learn the rando elsewhere <laughs> yeah i agree though like i think my number one trick to learn like I think Mido skip is probably the most important skip oh, in the yeah. game. Um, yep. And I think, uh, again, I think, it, as, as you've mentioned, learn, don't, don't learn the tricks at a niche. You know, just, just focus, on, focus on rowing first. You know, I think rowing is way more important than any trick in the game. Yes. And once, mm-hmm. you've, once you've, once you've got, got that down, then focus on the tricks. Don't do it the other way around. So I think we hit the three nails on the head. Just... Learn your logic, learn your routing, some mm-hmm. basic movement, and just you will go a long way. Yeah. I think the biggest pitfall for new runners for me is 
some new runners are not stubborn enough. What I mean <laughs> by that is that they're too quick to forfeit seeds. You will learn so much by just finishing seeds rather than just, oh, I failed B1 skip five times, screw this, FF, or, oh, it's ZL on OOT, I don't want to play this, FF, oh, it's 30 skulls, FF. Actually, like AD seeds or like, yeah, actually, like seeds where something nasty is on Zelos Lullaby, uh, on, yeah, on, on, no, on Song of Time, is it right? <laughs> mm-hmm. On the Ocarina of Time check. Um, that's actually where, like, the seed is longer, and there's like a lot more of a logic chain going on. So it's actually a lot more interesting in terms of like learning logic in this game and improving, like, what to learn from that, right? Yep. But like, one of my things is I have, over 180 races on race time and seven forfeits. Mm-hmm. And you'll see people that have like over 50% forfeit rate. That's a lot. I mean, some of those runners have a lot of skill and have done, maybe done stuff before race time or did a lot of stuff offline, but you will do yourself a lot of favors by finishing seeds instead of giving up when things start getting tough. Yeah, it's it's easy to get tilted though. I can get behind that, but like sometimes you just need to just push. And with three-hour seeds, being it. able to manage tilt in a competitive setting is another big skill to learn when playing Rando. Yes. You're not going to play perfectly every time. Being able to get past, oh, I screwed up B skip B one skip five times, or I made this mistake, I died to. Bungle, like being able to reset your mental or drive through is a skill that will help you in the yeah. long run for your rando career. And it's even get- getting worse. Like, with like in the Scrubs tournament, I would argue that the pressure, like while being a tournament, the pressure is relatively low. But like, the more time you spend on this game and the more successful you become, you will actually end up in situations where like. There's a lot at stake, like you're going like in grand finals or something. And if you can't manage your tilt, which is just going to be even more intensified by the tournament pressure and like just the situation and like a 1v1 situation maybe that you're not that used to. So like just like being able to untilt, especially in a competitive scene, like it, it takes a while to get used to, but like just push through it and don't give up. Yeah, at the same time, there's no uh, there's no shame in forfeiting, uh, especially if you're not having fun. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think mm-hmm. that's a an important distinction. Uh, for example, I I looked at my race time profile as well because I'm curious, and I have 464 races, and about 25 percent of those I forfeit. But I play more RSL, which are like you know at the six hour mark, do you forfeit or keep going? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like that that kind of shit. So. Uh, but yeah. I mean, fifty percent of the time, I top three. So no matter what. Um, so I mean, I, I think context and the the right environment for it too is really important. Yeah, there are times where you know maybe forfeiting is the right call, but don't necessarily like jump on it. Is oh super yeah, it's not quick, your like... first option. Yeah, yeah. Also, probably one very important thing, just like for the game as a whole, like there will be times where you just like feel like you're burning out and you should really listen to that and then like take a break. Yes. 
like burning out is really really hard and mm. like it like some people just like push onward and onward and just like at some point just lose interest in the game entirely and it's so sad because like they were good runners they are a lot of fun to compete with and they like enjoyed this game so much and then all of a sudden they're just poof gone because they just pushed too far so if you ever feel like you're not having fun anymore or like f- feel that you like you can't like you're stuck you should probably just take a break like sometimes good like um, very good improvements can be made by just taking a break off the game if you want to know more about that tune into uh episode 27 <laughs> of the podcast where we specifically spoke about burnout how to avoid it and our own experiences on that one because it was a oh, yeah. uh, it's a very important topic, as as you mentioned, Devin. It's something to be aware of coming into uh, what is a very busy environment these days. You know, there's tournaments left, right, and center. So yeah, you need to be a little careful on. with uh, yeah. Don't join everything. It's uh, not super duper healthy for you. And I've had a lot of like physical, uh, not problems, but just like hmm, pains that come up every now and then because I play almost every day. So, I mean, you have to be careful at the same time, not only mentally, you can kind of get down on yourself. Uh, the, the, the physical, like, posture, that all goes into effect. So you got yeah. to keep tabs on that. The yeah. third and fourth thumb that Emo has grown over the course of RSL is uh, they're starting to ache a little bit. So <laughs> I could actually shed a little bit of light on my personal experience with the game ever since I started. So I have a sickness that... Like, it's not really well-defined at the moment. Like, no one knows what I have. But it affects my hand and my arm. So, the reason why I can't, well, keep up with people's execution is because I don't have the physical resources to grind. And I still played, like, I still played Scrub Season 2, I still played S4, I still played the multi-world tournament and the league. Even though I had this, I had to take massive breaks between races and stuff. So, like... I'm kind of addicted to the game, but that's probably the biggest problem. But like, yeah, at the um, same time, you, you got to keep it at your own pace. Like, not everyone's yeah, made the same. Yeah, definitely. Game. Like, physical, like, pay attention to what your body says about you playing the game all day. Definitely, like, yeah. coming from someone who has very bad experience with experiences with this. I mean, that's just good life advice. <laughs> good life <laughs> pay advice. Att- pay attention to your body, folks. The it's life, ad- the life advice podcast. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, I don't have ten thousand hours into Rando yet, so I haven't mastered it. But yet, <laughs> I'm very optimistic. Sometimes I wonder if I'm close to that. I'm around four or five thousand, I think, right now. Yeah, probably same. I can't even tell. I played like 250 seeds or something in my life. I have like that many in my downloads folder. I still remember having seeds like with uh, when the website used to start uh, generating IDs with like five numbers. And I still have oh, some yeah. of those. <laughs> right. Yep. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to cover that we haven't covered already? Just want to say like good luck to every runner in the scrubs tournament season three that's going to be like we're looking forward to every match we're looking forward to all the restreams and it should be very fun to see how everyone plays 
Also, big thanks to everyone participating in the races and also especially the volunteers, the commentators, the trackers, the restreamers, everyone in the in the respective teams, just thanking myself a little bit here, patting myself on the shoulder, you know. But just like just in general, everyone involved in this tournament, and also for you guys having us here so we can just talk about this. Um big, big thank you. I'll just echo a lot of what they said. Uh thank you you guys for having us on uh Gospel Zones podcast. Uh since this will come after all the live calls are done. Thank you for everyone who joined the live calls. It's been a blast. Uh good luck to everyone who gets selected for the tournament. Uh if you don't get selected today, that means you're better than scrubs. Like take it as a good thing, yeah. not as like, oh, I'm not in a tournament. Um but yeah, thanks for all the people who volunteered during the calls. Uh if you want to sign up, thank you for volunteering if you do. Uh if not, like still have fun with Rando. Thanks for being part of the community and yeah. GLHF. <laughs> GLHF. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, obviously no problem from our perspective. It's been great having you all on, and uh, yeah, this is a uh, another long one. We did predict uh, maybe two hours on this, but it's gone uh, gone a little bit over that. But that's fine. We've had a good time. So thank you all for for coming on to this. And uh, as someone who's been joining the scrubs races and the qualifiers, I've had a really good time with the settings and the format and the community and just chat shit about how dreadful the seeds have been in the offline room. So it's a uh, been a good time and uh, yeah i look forward to seeing the the rest of the the tournament and uh you know, just hanging out with people and uh, like i said having a having a really fun time with uh watching the races and watching some really good and close competition so i'm i'm excited so that will do it for this week on the podcast it's been a absolutely fantastic episode thank you so much to felix uh, Dare Devon and Goldfish for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Some great discussions and covered a lot of good stuff. And uh, hopefully, those listening to it had a great time. Uh, also, thank you to Emo for being my wonderful co host as always. Uh, big thank you to Roman Recordings and Winnie Demon. And a special shout out to Winnie Demon for uh, now becoming one of the Silver Gauntless organizers uh, through, through their great work and helping out with uh, things over there. So, good stuff and GG. Um, they are editor and scriptwriter respectively um, and with that we will see you all next time on the Gossip Zone Podcast